Welcome to The Winner's Edit, a Survivor storyline and editing podcast. I'm your host, Joe. We're back. I'm Dan. Yeah, and here we are after what felt like an interminable like off-season, uh, covering season 39, Island of the Idols. We're here. Episode 1, I vote you out and that's it. Said by the eventual winner herself, Sandra Diaz-Twine. Really? I mean, I, I mean, coming into the season, I guess I wouldn't have been surprised to hear that most of the episode titles are going to be uh, from Sandra or Rob, but I feel like that's probably going to be a common trend. Uh, that's where I would put my money. And I think it's just a weird thing for someone like me who hates twists in general that I'm very excited about this twist because it doesn't completely destroy the fabric of the game like some other twists. I'm actually excited for this season. Uh, I think it's okay. I'm, I wish it weren't here because it's like two more people that they're obviously going to give a lot of screen time to and slight some people. Um, but yeah, I think for the first episode, it didn't go as bad as I thought it could. It does kind of seem like a glorified Ghost Island, though. It's honestly, it feels like Ghost Island, but they thought about the criticisms of it where it's like, well, it's really boring to see people just walk up and talk to themselves about like, because Ghost Island, this that was our first season we did, basically turned into go to Ghost Island and talk about your personal journey to the camera for like five minutes. Wasn't very exciting. I feel like this is a way to actually like fix Ghost Island. So you can still get that like idols and stuff come from this separate thing uh, with some sort of risk, but there's someone to talk to. There's a host and there's an actual like game to play rather than the game being like randomness. I don't know why Survivor keeps thinking randomness is fun, but yeah. Uh, And I think it helps that it's not attached to any like previous like legacy. Like here is the story of so-and-so and like, uh can you rede- can you reverse the curse i think it helps that it's just like oh yeah here's this advantage you might get if you can do this uh survivor skill which i don't know how they're gonna do like 13 survivor skills and like accurate tests of those but we'll see oh yeah this is definitely the only one that like makes sense like if you listen to the <laughs> preseason this exact situation is the one that jeff is like and it could work like this is the exact situation that jeff like said is the exact one we just saw was fire making where the actual test was not competing at all um very like war games-esque but it's the only one that like makes sense to me like i'm sure they'll do like like a physical challenge or a puzzle or something like that that also makes sense but beyond that like i don't know i feel like in like 14 episodes it's gonna be kind of lame i do think by far like i have a lot of positive things to say about this premiere and we'll get to that later for sure it was very good but I think that there was a noticeable drag in quality, like like the nosedive of how much I cared about what I was seeing on my screen went way down as soon as um as Elizabeth shows up there on the Island of the Idols because it was so long and it's kind of corny. I thought I, I this is always going to be my problem with this stuff. It's like I, w- I want to see what other fun stuff is happening over there on the actual tribes. Right. Yeah. Like. Especially Elizabeth, who wasn't in danger, um, arguably didn't know who these people were. Um, just like seeing her, like just make fire, like which is at season thirty nine a pretty boring standard thing to learn for Survivor. It just didn't wasn't a great start. I feel like once we get some other people who I think are more dynamic in the game get in there, I think. They'll have some interesting conversations with Rob and Sandra that could be interesting to watch. 
Oh, I definitely agree. I think there could be some really interesting wrinkles there where, like, you give players access to somebody to, like, be a soundboard off of that's as smart as someone like Boston Rob or Sandra. I feel like it could actually cause some actual tangible results. This is a deep poll, but a Big Brother Canada won. They let Dan Giesling into the Big Brother house for, like, who's a very good Big Brother player, in case you don't know, um, into the Big Brother house for, like, 24 (laughs) hours. (laughs) That sounds like I didn't know who Dan Giesling was. I was just going to say, I didn't know that this twist happened. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So that happened in Big Brother Canada 1, and it literally completely flipped the game because he started asking everybody questions that, like, like, that ends up overthrowing, like, the guy who was in control. Um, So I think that could be a really interesting thing. I feel like it might be really hard to play a Boston Rob-style game. I don't think Boston Rob would do too well in a season where people could talk to someone like Boston Rob. Right. I think, yeah, you saw when they're in their little voting shack thing. I guess not a voting shack, but their little, like, spy shack on the tribal. Like, they're quippy and fun, and they have thoughts. So I think we just need someone who's not as safe and not as sort of vanilla as Elizabeth was Mm -hmm. to get in there. So... But overall, I think this cast showed itself to be very good. Uh, we did do a preseason podcast, but coming into the po- coming into the show, I was actually pretty low on this cast. I thought none of them really spoke that much to me other than Tommy. Tommy seemed like the only one that seemed like somebody I would actually want and be interested in uh, seeing. But I thought they really delivered. And I think the decision to cut out uh, the marooning was really brilliant because I... I, I and. The island that else kind of goes against this directly, but just being able to go right into the tribe dynamics and seeing what makes these people think and like what they think about the world and survivor so much better than a reward challenge or Jeff talking about the theme or whatever. Like we actually got to learn, meet these characters, I think. And that's the best thing I could possibly say. Yeah, it really was like a great just opening. You got content from nearly everyone, even pretty early on in the episode. And we didn't get to know, like, no confessional people, but it was pretty diverse and you saw a lot of different points. I was actually preseason higher on the cast. I, it's just generally older. And I feel like there's not, I guess, what you would call like mactors, like recruits or like models and like trying to get famous from it. It feels like a really diverse old cast and i don't know if a lot of them are feel like fans of the show but they feel like at least interesting people so yeah i was, I was most excited of them know, into it most of them do know survivor like basically the only people i could peg is people who did not know survivor preseason were elizabeth kelly and tom and tom seemed like a question mark like he might have known a little bit uh so i mean for the most part it's people who at least know survivor like maybe not the most super fan heavy cast but they seem to have like a working knowledge of Survivor. That's good enough for me. Yeah. Yeah. I guess what they did was you saw them three people split off and then the other seven sort of be like, well, here's the thing, which I, I don't like that as a sort of idea. We didn't see it pan out at least like the seven didn't stick together, but I kind of hate that idea of it just being proximity. Dan in his preseason little Twitter video was like, I'm just going to be wherever the numbers are. I was like, ugh. I mean, that probably works, but I didn't want to see it work. And I'm glad the episode panned out the way it did. I do think one criticism that I'll probably bring up a bunch in this episode, if I was going to make one, is I think there's a couple strange editing decisions that I noticed. Uh, The first being the decision to make Elizabeth 
narrate the uh, post-tribal sequence, or sorry, the post-immunity challenge sequence, like, Elizabeth got the swing vote role. Like, the role where it's like, yes, they're, they're narrating the vote, they're deciding, basically, the way that it's presented is she's deciding who goes home, but she has no impact, so what she's saying is, I don't have a vote, I don't have a vote, I don't have a vote, over and over again. When I feel like we didn't see why Ronnie left. Like, I really feel like we did not see even a little bit about why Ronnie left because instead they chose to give all that content to Elizabeth. I don't understand this decision at all. And like, that's the one thing that worries me about this premiere. I think the cast was great. Uh, all the characters were pretty fleshed out. This one decision, I feel like really, really brought the episode away from being like a 10 to being like an eight. Like, I think it really, there's not a satisfactory boot, I think, in this episode. Yeah, I think for me, Ronnie was a good first boot because that's not something you see. But the way the episode presented it didn't work at all. Talking about Elizabeth as a swing vote when she has no vote is, yeah, it was just bizarre. And then really the only reasoning you see for Ronnie is Elaine early on being like, oh, I knew I couldn't trust him. And then they have one conversation. And that's before the immunity challenge. So, yeah, it... I felt like they were being sneaky, but anyone could see through it. They thought they were being clever, but with the way Ronnie was edited, especially at Tribal, you kind of knew, oh, this is his comeuppance. And yeah. Yeah, and like I get it. It makes sense. And I guess the idea is that uh, Elaine is your decoy boot, and so it makes sense to make it just be like, oh, she's getting voted out, and basically not show anybody be willing to vote Ronnie. Like, even Krishma and Missy are like, what should we do? Should we vote that way or not? Mm-hmm. But you're not getting the... It, it, you never see any vo- like numbers coalesce around uh, Elaine or anything like that. Like, I feel like that's something that was missing. Um, right. And it's, I do think it's interesting that like you, if you really squint on my second watch, you see Tom basically be like, oh, Ronnie and Aaron don't have any numbers. Don't be worried, Elaine. But... I don't know, like, that oh, yeah. doesn't tell you who those numbers are or anything. It's just very weird. It's so transparent. Tom is literally like, Elaine, don't worry. And from my perspective, I was like, yeah, there's no reason no one is agreeing with this plan to vote out Elaine or Vince, really. Mm-hmm. It just felt really like it was going to be Ronnie the whole time. So, yeah, so I felt like they kind of lied and I never really liked that. So it was a little upsetting that way. Uh, the only other thing I think that I really want to say is a positive here is this season in particular, I feel like, or this episode, sorry, is such a perfect match point against last season's premiere, where I feel like last season we were constantly told things, and in this season we were shown things. I I think that the handling of Elaine particularly was very, very good, in that last season we were constantly told that people were like social, they were really funny, they were really nice. But we never got to see those scenes that highlighted what made them that way. Whereas in this episode, you got to see people be like, Elaine is really likable. And then Elaine be really funny, like that human scene. And then you got to see her build her like social bond with Tom. Like You got to see her talk about things that weren't the game that showed why people liked her, which made her a social threat in our minds. Like Whereas so many times in Survivor history, they've just that person's a social threat instead of showing what makes them likable. Right. I think I saw that on Vokai, which hasn't panned out yet, but there was that point where they had an alliance of six and they're like, this is the core group. This is what's going to stick together. And I was worried that it was going to be like last season's core of six, which 
just sort of wasn't as tight as they made it seem. And they didn't ever name that six. So that gives me more hope that they were, they're at least alluding to how complicated things might actually get on Vokai. Exactly. I think that's one thing is that was, I think a placeholder because we didn't even necessarily see, like if you stop like freeze framed, you could tell who was there, but they didn't list off the members. Like, which is very, very good. Um, but overall, I think that this episode worked really well as an introduction specifically. I think the story of the episode was a little muddled, but overall, I think as an introduction to 20 characters was pretty dang good. Yeah, for sure. Uh, any thoughts on the immunity challenge? It was definitely more like physically demanding than I feel like modern Survivor. Like it felt like an Australian Survivor challenge where, ooh, like they require a lot of physical, like upper body strength. I think you also notice the cast is a lot like physically stronger in terms of just like raw muscle mass. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's something I noticed in this challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was pretty standard. Nothing uh, really to talk about there. The puzzle at the end was weird. I was like, why have all these huts if they all have different pieces and you know what the different pieces are and you can only do one at a time, but whatever. It worked really well for a first challenge. Yeah, I thought it was fine. And I agree on the huts. The huts at first, I was like, this is super cool. That's like, you never know what piece is going to be for what. But then, oh, they do have set parts which just made it less of a puzzle to me yeah i guess it was hard they seem to be struggling i don't know i didn't see how it would be that hard from my vantage point i don't know if there's only a limited number of pieces i don't think it would be that hard but that the way the pieces go together if they had a bunch of different ones to choose from that could be really tricky but that wasn't the case so i agree with that um so i guess overall i mean i guess there's one thing is like the theme being Island of Idols, I think it works fine, like being separated completely. I guess the one thing that we should question beforehand. So we see that oath. Do we think that this oath is going to stay true? Are Rob and Sandra never going to enter the game? Uh, the moment I saw it, I was like, well, this could be broken. Like, mm-hmm. But I think it is a really good thing for them to do and show. I think that's a... At least you know that oath has to be broken for it to for them to enter and so the production is being very upfront with how this is going to work out like yeah i just hope it stays that way yeah i personally have no interest in seeing this end up being no or sandra at all like please do not have it be that way this is kind of i'm fine with this like ghost island but instead of spooky objects from the past it's two people the two ghosts or whatever right that's fine please keep it that way right yeah if season 40 is, yeah, I don't know. I don't want um, it to be like, I don't want another two-time winner is what I'm going to say. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I guess that's the thing is like, overall, I think the lack of Edge of Extinction alone makes me a hundred times more excited for the season. I think this episode was really good. The cast seems really popping. Mm-hmm. I'm optimistic. Yeah, I I think the worrying thing is with a 20-person cast, it just feels like a really long way to go. Feels like there's going to be some low points, mm-hmm. and I don't know. With this first boot, it kind of feels like uh, Lyro can still be interesting. So I don't know. I'm interested to see where both tribes go from here. They Indeed. did at least set something up interesting there. So. Mm. And my only other point is, I think the Robin Sander thing worked fine in this 90 minute episode. Little worried in the 60 minute episodes if that's going to be too much. Yes. If there's the same quantity of time in this episode as was in 
the next ones, it's going to be really hard to have captivating characters. That's my one worry. That's like the big asterisk on here is Rob's probably getting paid a lot of money to be there. Mm -hmm. I imagine he's going to want to be on TV quite a bit, which is my one primary worry. Hopefully there's no reward challenges because that will yeah they need kill, to just do, yeah that'll kill future episodes so i 100 percent agree I, and there's almost never one in the premiere so i just really hope that they keep they realize that that can't be here like tie it right. to island of the idols or something if you have to don't show them anything please yes so that brings us here to uh the story section where uh joe and myself we try to really dig into the episode and figure out what like what we think what seeds are being laid out for the entire season as a whole because i think that's the beautiful thing about survivors they have so much footage uh to go from that every single thing that they choose to show or not show is really really important because there's a reason they're doing it uh because if you're just editing something and something really interesting happens that pays off later you're definitely going to choose to show that so we like going through all these things and just trying to like meticulously dissect it uh we joe's an english major i'm a film major so Got lots of experience in this stuff of uh, overanalyzing themes. So that's what we're going to do now. Um, and I think the first one that when we talked, we both had the most sim. like immediately we're like, ooh, this is clearly a theme and this is clearly an intentional thing that they're putting forward is the idea of teaching teachers and like seeking a mentor. We see it all over the place in this episode. Right. So obviously with Island of the Idols, uh, part of that is all about Robin Sandra, like teaching whoever comes to the island something about the game. So that sort of made me think, obviously, this is going to be a present part in some way. And I think from the Island of the Idols, you're going to see someone who really takes a lesson to heart from there, use it in a way that really benefits their game. Um, alternatively, you have literal teachers in there, and Tommy, uh, Tommy uses his sort of job as a teacher to connect with people and talks about like what it means to be a teacher in this game Mm -hmm. yeah i think something that was really fascinating to me was we had multiple people in this episode talk about their favorite teachers growing up and what they meant to them uh jamal talks to him being like my fourth grade teacher was my favorite teacher uh tommy responds saying yeah my fourth grader changed my life and made me a better person made me the person i am today and boston rob mentions that all his best teachers always did something for him and like before like did it themselves so they could see and learn so he could learn from them doing it right it's all over the place in that episode like this is an episode so much i feel like about teaching and searching for a mentor searching for an idol uh in terms of like somebody to look up to not a hidden immunity idol i feel like this is the closest like if i had to guess this is our primary arc of the season yeah and i think that that double wordplay there of seeking an idol works really well because I think you're going to get people contrasted who are looking for someone who will teach them and help them along versus people like Jason who are looking for a literal hidden immunity idol. And even I think this early, I wouldn't be afraid to say looking for an idol is probably not going to have a good look this season. Mm -hmm. I think you're seeing even scenarios where like tom and elaine are talking and elaine's just like i want to write it out with you because i trust you and i think things like that where people come together based on who they are is going to be stronger i absolutely agree like i feel like you see it just all over the place in this episode in a way that 
I just can't imagine this isn't going to be like a present theme. Like this feels like somebody sat there and was like, we need to find any footage about teachers we possibly can and air it. Like it was really almost overwhelming. I thought like sitting there watching, I was just like another teacher reference, uh, like tests. Like I'm sure that obviously that is the theme of the season. That's the baked in thing. But then the actual players are there talking about teachers. Obviously Tommy is an actual like elementary school teacher. So it adds to it, but they don't have to show everybody talking about their favorite teachers. And all that kind right. Of stuff. Like that yeah. is easily skippable content. Um, so I think that's the thing is it's like what makes a good student, I think, is seeking out an idol, listening to them, a good teacher, somebody who does it for them and the other person learns. I feel like that's something that we should absolutely um, kind of take from here. And I mean, honestly, like I think a bunch of our other themes kind of build off of this in a kind of fascinating way. Yeah, there are so many people who I think can look good from this theme. And there's a lot of circumstances where... It's not quite teaching yet, but it feels like it connects back to this. I'm thinking of like when Janet makes the fire, it almost feels like a teaching moment, but it's not quite there, but it feels like it feeds into this. Mm. What did you make of Tommy saying that super mom being Janet is going to beat Boston Rob at fire? Uh, that was weird. Uh, that's Janet issues. Like uh, the mom distinction is a big thing, but. I think we'll talk more about that when we get to Janet, but mm-hmm. yeah, not, not the greatest, but also it's content. I don't know. I thought one thing that was, I, this is something I guess I should have brought up earlier. I thought it was really, that really kind of took the uh, window of the sales of the whole Island of Idols uh, section was that Janet made fire without Flint. And then like 10 minutes later, we we're being shown like how hard it is to make fire apparently with, with Flint. You know what right. I mean? Like, I felt like it really yeah. took, when I'm like, oh, Elizabeth is struggling to make fire with Flint. What a pedestrian. Oh, ha, ha. <laughs> like uh, Janet did it with a stick. Like, and then I'm like, could a Janet of like, like, is Janet better than Boston Rob? Like, I don't know what to like, I don't know where to like tear all this, but uh, yeah, <laughs> I guess speaking of that, our next theme here is the one of the ones that I thought was really ju- kind of jumping out of the screen was Janet's uh, quote like confessional where she says what people don't care about your age sex religion whatever if you prove who you actually are on the inside um i thought was really really prescient as a theme in this episode and specifically the idea of being kind of different than people would initially expect we see that in multiple times where janet is super mom you would expect super mom to be great at making fire well guess what she's a boss at making fire and grappling hook monster um (laughs) vince uh tom specifically brings up is like the like sassy gay guy who is really amazing at using tools and cutting there's a lot of emphasis on that that vince is not at all who he seems like i feel like that is really a theme here is that uh people have preconceived notions notions about you but if you work really hard and you to prove who you are on the inside that won't matter right yeah i think trying to think of other examples i think that'll play out interesting with jason who has made these preconceived notions about him but vokai just feels like there's a lot of turbulence going in there so it'll be interesting to see what the show does to sort of turn jason around of course they could just also make him the first boot of vokai but uh i think that's an interesting future point for this proving who you are story Mm mm-hmm and I, I mean, I think you saw that kind of with Elaine too, where she's just like, 
like this is who I am. Like I right. am like I am a funny person, but that doesn't mean I'm like yeah, it means you don't ha- doesn't mean you have to kind of vote me out there. I think yeah. that's just like a big thing. Like in this season, I feel like we're gonna see that kind of be what people relate their personal journey to is proving themselves. I kind of, like it kind of relates to being like a good student. Like it's proving yourself as being more than what you look like. I think would be a good name for this theme. Mm-hmm. And how that relates to a touch point we sort of have off of this theme is connecting to people because there's a really good contrast between the way Elena is at tribal council, just talking about how much this experience means to her. And then you get eventual boot Ronnie talking about basically his resume listed out. I counted it, it was 11 jobs. Um, and just how that's not connecting to people. We see them earlier in the episode. Ronnie talks about how he's able to connect with everyone, even Elaine, and sees right through him. Um, and then that's not to say anything about Vokai, which has Nora connecting to Jason, uh, Dan, and his mixed connections with Kelly and Molly. All sorts of things going on. So That was such a eye-roll moment. We'll get to get to him but goodness gracious um yeah i don't know on here we put another theme being personal space and touching um i unfortunately think this is gonna be a theme it's probably specifically specifically with dan but i feel like we're gonna see it a lot i brought it up in regards to dan obviously because he is too close and then it also, I was thinking of this in regards to Jason, as well as the Elaine Tom Vince thing, where there is this idea that if you split off from the group, it makes you a target. Obviously, Jason is looking for an idol, so he's a target there. But even this smaller subgroup of Elaine Tom Vince, it provides an opportunity for those other seven to theoretically come together. I Once again, they didn't, but it was shown. Um, yeah, and I mean, like, I feel like when you're looking at the edit, you don't factor in who actually left. Like, Survivor's not good at irony. They don't expect the viewer to think back, like, oh, wait a minute. They were never in danger. It's like, oh, they must have flipped them or something. Like, it, like the way it was edited was it flipped at Tribal because Elaine was so powerful or whatever. That's probably not what actually happened. That's what we were oh, showing. for sure not. No. But, so, yeah, I think just boundaries in general, mm-hmm. what's appropriate just space-wise just more of a spatial theme than I've seen in other seasons, I guess. Is... No, that's true. Yeah, there's definitely a like specifically in the environment you're standing in and existing in theme. Right. And I feel like it'll get built on more as the season goes. Right. Um, the other big one that I saw, this is the one that I put on here, is there's a huge, it almost reminds me of uh, Survivor 30, Worlds Apart, the hard work pays off blue collar thing. Mm-hmm. It's real in effect here. Uh, obviously, Elaine's whole character here is basically being like, what's cumin? I've no- <laughs> That's the city stuff. Um, <laughs> Tom being like, you know, I, I might have never thought I'd work with someone like Vince, but he works hard. And then you have him being like, I never thought I'd work with Elaine, but she works hard. Mm-hmm. All over the place in this episode is the idea of hard work um, and paying off. And I feel like that's going to be a big thing. I feel like we're going to see like a blue collar strong kind of thing in this season. That's just what it feels like. Even Janet, you know what I mean? Like everybody in who seems like a good who's get like a big character so far introduced feels like they are really hitting on like I'm a hard worker specific. Right. Yeah. Janet is the poster child for this, I feel, with her fire scene. And then 
before the immunity challenge. Uh, she talks about something about how the Vokai tribe works hard. And then, of course, they win. So it really is like hitting the nail on the head. Like hard work is very important. Yeah. And I think the so I think that was the baseline theme. I already saw them building on it. Like they early on, they immediately are like Tom is kind of Tom and Janet are like the older voices of hard work is good on each tribe. And Mm -hmm. I, I saw them immediately like build into something a little bigger, which is I think I'm seeing a big tribe um very pro tribe theme. I feel like we're gonna see tribal lines big time this season. Uh and they're definitely setting them up here. Uh Tom has a confessional where he says basically it doesn't matter if you have the best athletes, if your tribe works harder, your tribe is gonna be the one that wins because uh the tri- the tribes that fail are the ones that have all these infighting. Wayne Gretzky's not the best athlete in the world. You don't need the best athletes. You just need the tribe that works together the best. I feel like is a massive tribe unity theme. Mm-hmm. And it really felt like a like mission statement almost of like what these characters are going to represent in this story is they are a cohesive group that's not going to break. Yeah. Yeah, I think there was a point when you first get to the Vokai Beach where Janet... Uh, she sort of steps up and is like, so where should we start? What should we do? Does anyone have any experience? And I think that scene could have been portrayed as very like, oh, she's bossy. She just wants to work, work, work. But it wasn't. It was sort of presented as this really positive start for the Vokai tribe and going forward from there, working together. Mm-hmm. And even their tribe gets sort of highlighted as all these social people and uh, really wanting to be there and work. So. I think it's a good sign. I think the only other thing here that adds to it is, I mean, Ronnie at Tribal was and Aaron were both like, you know, you, well, you can't vote a big guy if you want to lose the challenges. You know, you, uh, it's one of the girls. Uh, so you definitely got the uh, opposite side of that being, we're the big dude, so we can't get voted out. And obviously that panned out very poorly for them. Right. Bad, bad theme to be on at this point. Just even though one of them got voted out, it was just not a good focus. For like big, strong, muscular, young alpha males just across the board. And really, this cast doesn't lend to that anyway. But yeah, just not a good look for just physical strength, like outward appearing physical strength. It was very much who works together well and teamwork. Agreed. Yeah. I feel like this is a season where all of the old characters feel like they're going deep. And that's not something you usually see. Mm hmm. So I think that's kind of an interesting thing. Um, and yeah, and I think like, obviously we saw kind of the rootings of the female alliance thing over there on Lyro. It seemed to not be as much of a factor at the actual vote, but that's also potentially the strange decision to make Elizabeth narrate it. So yeah, still kind of holding there. Um, and But there was definitely more, like the girls definitely got a lot more content. Yes. In general. <laughs> uh, we talked about this a little before but i just feel like i've been burned so many times with thinking oh big female themes like obviously a girl is going to win sort of big stuff for that and then it never pans out so this is probably the season where i'm sort of like lower on that and then uh janet wins and that's see i think at this point i'm willing to say that the survivor producers have just become woke as it is and realize that their show (laughs) is kind of sexist I think after three seasons, it's like, okay, they're intentionally putting these things in to be like, we understand. We're not going to change, but we understand. Right. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Pretty empowering, but. 
I think it's interesting to track. And really with the girls' alliances and Kelly and Molly's interactions with Dan, I can't probably ignore it right now, but I'm just skeptical. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then the last theme I have sort of branches off how um, Elizabeth's interaction at Island of the Idols. Um, when she loses, Rob talks about how there's a million pitfalls like this and you should really trust your gut. And who's that? It's Kellen Bechtel back to tell us to trust your gut. Um, the ghost of Ghost Island. Oh, gosh. Uh, it's just something I noticed. Will it pan out? Maybe. But um, I guess we're implied that Elizabeth did trust her gut and she voted out Ronnie. So there's something there. And mm-hmm. Elizabeth's story is kind of weird, but I'm interested to see if this develops and where it goes from there. I agree. I think it's a possibility. It's just, if it builds again, who knows? I'm sure Rob will talk about it a lot. I just don't know how much it'll impact things. I guess the two things I've thought of since that we didn't bring up are, I think, with the tribe strength thing that we were talking about earlier, there's a really interesting line uh, that I was surprised made the cut, which was the line where, I forget who it was, said, do you guys remember the Super Bowl where the Giants like unexpectedly beat the undefeated Patriots. I thought that was a really interesting thing to leave in the cut. And it made me like, it was in a moment that it felt like it was already building up this tribe, like multiple Janet says, tribe, keep the tribe strong. Like this is a tribe game. Molly says it's a tribe game. And then you get that makes me think that this could be like a Palau situation kind of thing. Not maybe not that drastic, but where like one of these tribes maybe gets like really crushed. And it's like a Pagong situation. I feel like it's a very realistic possibility. Yeah. I believe that was Molly saying it sort of in the middle of Kelly and Dan's scene. So Mm. it didn't strike as strongly for me, but I'd be interested to see if that, because that seems like a, almost an Easter egg sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Like how many other times have they really talked about sports on Survivor? It's not that much. Only between Brett and Zeke. Mm -hmm. Rumor sooner. (laughs) Uh, and yeah, I think that's basically it. I guess the, like only other things are, I guess with the teacher theme, the interaction between Robin, Robin, Sandra and the players, like at tribal is kind of interesting where it's like right. Rob praises uh, Karishma for being very smart. Maybe that means something. Maybe it's just yeah, like, someone to react. Yeah, of course. Right now with just one episode and I'm just like, okay, so what does this mean for Karishma? Or they say they like Vince. I'm like, does that mean Vince is going? Will this ever pan out? Is it just, what does it mean? So yeah, I'm interested to see what that sort of banter means. And I do think that, I guess, to before we move on to all these players here, I actually get why they brought in Robin Sandra here, because I think it actually makes a lot of kind of have an objective confessionalist on the ready. Right. You know what I mean? You can be like, objectively, this was stupid. Like, and have that work. Like, new pl- I, like I thought the most pressing one of that was new players will always fall for these tricks as new players do or whatever. It makes Which, sense to have Rob be able to be there to be Jeff Probst, kind of like do the Jeff Probst like um, theme laying, but yeah. without it having to be Jeff Probst where he's the producer. I think that makes sense. Right. And I think we're always going to get an idea that Rob and Sandra are right, Mm -hmm. which I think can possibly hurt the season. If you have this person who is like sort of seen as a voice of truth and uh, game acumen being like, Oh, this is what you should do. This is what you shouldn't do. It feels almost too easy to sort of fit people, fit people into those. But 
I they could also throw us off there too. So and do you agree with me that I think they are there effectively to act as casual whisperers, almost as like the drunken porter in a Shakespeare play who like a really sophisticated scene happens with like complex motivations. And then this drunk, like the drunken porter, somebody who comes out after that happens to kind of talk down to the audience members that didn't get it and kind of summarize what just happened in like simpler terms. Like I felt that's what I felt like. Hmm. It's, that's the real purpose of them is they are there to be like, Oh, this complex scene just happened where uh, Ronnie is targeting Elaine, but Elaine sees through it or whatever. Then it cuts to Rob or whatever, and it's like, see, new players often fall for tricks. That's an important, you know what I mean? Like, it's a good way to be like, hey, audience, this is what you're supposed to take from this. Yeah. So that's kind of what I saw. Yeah. Anyways, that brings us here. We're going to start with the winning tribe. They got a little bit less. Um, This is the Vokai tribe. Purple, so you know, uh, keeping up the Ghost Island. I think uh, starting this podcast made this uh, purple-orange theme just stick. <laughs> We had to talk about reverse the curse and guts and stuff for so long that they're just like, screw it. You're going to have to do it every time. <laughs> you question. can't reverse the curse if it never goes away. Ooh, I'm excited for this question. Do you think that the Survivor producers oh. intentionally put people that they think are better at challenges on the Purple Tribe at this point? Uh, no. I think I looked at the Purple Tribe and thought, oh, this could go really bad for them. <laughs> I kind of thought like Orange Tribe... Just, I mean, Orange Tribe obviously had more physical strength. I fell into that trap. Um, but now seeing them, it does feel they're more coherent. I don't know if it means they want <laughs> they have this purple agenda where they're always thinking purple. I don't know. It's like their built-in story, you know what I mean? Like, it all fails, whatever. They got the underdog Orange Tribe. You oh know? my gosh, I can't handle Malolo and Navidi. <laughs> but I thought the question you were going to ask was... Do you feel Vokai is the complex tribe? Ooh, I guess our complex tribe watch should start here. I left this episode confused. It was it was close, but I want to say Vokai is complex. They have a lot of interesting relationships going on. Mm-hmm. Feels like a lot of legwork was set up for a tribe that didn't go to tribal council. As opposed to even Lyro, which just had this very simple, almost majority vote to me so i agree i think that's the thing is like you and honestly the episode was edited as elaine tom and vince were outsiders and they were just outsiders the whole time and then ronnie got voted out like it was pretty uncomplex oh and there's a woman's alliance that was basically lyro folk guy did have dan and uh kelly have this strange dynamic um tommy and jack are close jason and nora Mm -hmm. um the six yeah just a lot of stuff set up. It felt like they were summarizing like three episodes worth of dynamics to get us mm-hmm. set up for whatever's coming up. Which honestly it makes me think, as unfortunate as it is, that I think this purple tribe is going to be the dominant tribe in this season. Um, I'm not ready to say they're the complex tribe. I do think that they are going to be the tribe that has the most people at the merge. Yeah. Even in this premiere, it doesn't feel like... A lot of these people are going early. Mm-hmm. That was my vibe, a hundred percent. Is I'm like, I don't think Dan's. It doesn't feel like Dan's. I guess Dan's our first person here to talk about. Um, not the best episode for him. Um, <laughs> I was actually very high on him pre-emerge, uh, or pre-season. pre-season. Ah. So I'm kind of glad we didn't record a podcast because I was 
gonna come in glowing about this guy <laughs> and oh my god this is this is easily one of the worst episodes for a person ever right um i don't know even with the touching personal space narrative like it wasn't wasn't the worst i don't think like it's almost redeemable i don't think he's winning but it felt like they could have dug a deeper hole for him okay that's you know? true you're right there is definitely scenarios where this exact situation is edited much, much differently. So right. I guess that is fair. I guess to me, having such a high opinion of a pre-merge or pre-season, sorry, I'm going to keep saying pre-merge probably, to this portrayal, I was like, oh no. Especially with like him being a Hollywood talent person. Really bad luck overall. Um, yeah. Hard to ignore that. <laughs> um, yeah. I was I was low on him pre-season. So this was like, yes, excellent. This is what I wanted. Um, he just felt like he couldn't connect with people, which I think here we are sort of seeing where he just doesn't know boundaries. And I think that might be his story is just the boundaries don't add up and it makes enough people uncomfortable. I could see him going early, actually. Like if anyone goes almost, I would say Dan is a top contender. To me... So I think there's some interesting things with Dan where if you look at like the visibility, he's one of the most visible characters of the episode. Um, he had a lot, like he had, a, he talked a lot. He gave first his kind of thought process on like, you target the person on the outside. I'm going to target Jason. You see him successfully target Jason. He, I think goes a little bit overboard, says Jason has no chance, obviously sets him up as an obstacle. I do feel like Jason probably outlives Dan. Mm-hmm. That said, Dan also just gave me like almost Bradley vibes where. Oh yeah. I feel like he's going to be like a late pre-merge boot, which I think bodes really well for Vokai's tribe or chances of not losing challenges. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Like that's kind of what I'm viewing is like he's set up as the first boot on the tribe. That's not going to go to tribal for a long time. Uh, I feel like it could be next episode, sort of uh, uh, David versus Goliath. Where it's immediate, mm. and then they sort of are stronger. I guess I see him as Natalie Cole. You know what I mean? He's the Natalie Cole, but, like, less exciting, obviously. Like, the very boring and... Yeah. <laughs> like, like the worst version of the Natalie Cole, I feel like. Um, yeah. Where it's just... He has all these negative qualities. The casual fans are wanting him to get voted out. Natalie Cole, in that case, the super fans loved. In this case, don't think so. But <laughs> I do think... The thing that to me saves him here is that discussion with Kelly where she's like, well, maybe over the 39 days, friends or whatever. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I kind of thought, like, what if Dan and Kelly are the final two Elaine predicted? But that's just pipe dreams. And (laughs) (laughs) hilarious if that was the Easter egg they picked. But it did make me think that this is probably going to be like a bonding story. A lot of people talked about Dan. Yeah. Molly talked about Dan. Kelly talked about Dan. Dan talked about Dan. He was a very present character. That makes me think, I don't think he'll leave Mm -hmm. soon. Because, yeah, if you think about Jeremy, like Jeremy wasn't present in episode one. Morgan. Mm -hmm. See, now purple tribes are stuck in my head. So I'm thinking about their first boots. And, uh, but uh, not high on my winners list. Um, Another not so great Dan for the books. Mm-hmm. Like, if I ever get on Survivor, I'm screwed. <laughs> Who is the best Dan? Is it Daniel Liu? <laughs> yeah, no, that's the answer. <laughs> that is the answer. Yeah, there really I are mean, not. Dan Rangering wasn't like was a mess, but 
an interesting character. And he got screwed. Oh, true. Honestly, Dan Rengering is the best Dan. Yeah. That's hilarious. Um. Anyways. Who's the best Jack? Oh. Oh, yeah. Who's the best Jack? Maybe it's this one. Uh, I'm very high on Jack. I thought this was an awesome introduction. And probably the best way you can introduce someone like Jack, where you show that he has game talk. I was really high on him preseason too, where you show he's got game acumen, but most importantly, he's a fun dude. So you show him doing fun stuff. That clam scene was hilarious. Right. Great character introduction. And he's built as a viable contender to do well in the game, but without being like game body and lame. Mm-hmm. Uh, he almost feels like the Wendell to Tommy's Dominic. I mean, Tommy doesn't feel so outwardly complicated, but it's very much that same sort of background, like second in command. Mm-hmm. Um, preseason, I sort of you, you sort of pigeonhole him as the Joe of the season, but I thought if he had the edit Joe got in uh, what was the last season called? That one. Edge of Extinction. Uh, that would be great. And I think this is an excellent start for that. Mm-hmm. Sort of like, you know who he is. You know he's the youngest person on his tribe. He's the youngest person in the game. Um, I think, yeah, a great start. Not too much to say about him, really. But yeah, the clam scene is memorable. Just and a that's really good. Important- it's a, why is it important? In my opinion, in every, like every Survivor winner pretty much has a pretty important scene in the first episode where you leave the episode and even if you don't remember their name you're like oh that's the guy who played with the clam that's the guy who ate the scorpion (laughs) right like it's like you want like the person who did that thing even if they don't have a huge moment even if they don't have whatever most winners have something like that at the start that just like makes the audience remember oh that person did that thing um and the clam reminded me of that I guess I'm scared of falling into the trap that this is because you're like, oh, Davy with the octopus. Mm-hmm. And that didn't pan out. But but we, do- think- we jumped off Davy early enough. Yeah. And I mean, it'll be the same with Jack, too. It's just a matter of, I think, him getting some focus. Like, he can't, he can't Dean when they go to tribal council. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's, a, he's just a really good, like... Uh, standard contender to pick off a first episode like this exactly like, you're into edgic you watch this premiere you pick jack and yeah i feel like he's the one thing is like people like him jay are probably the most similar they always get good at it so like they no matter what right. they always are kind of fun characters that will kind of get edited similarly if they win anyway so it is yeah. something there to pay attention to but i do think this was particularly good mm-hmm. and that said i guess let's move here to jamal Less good here for Jamal, but not that bad. He had yeah. like just one throwaway confessional that was really throwaway on a second watch. It was like my tribe is a tribe, basically. <laughs> yep. Uh, which um, <laughs> really bring in the co- confessional content there. But right. love it. We didn't get to hear he liked a fourth grade teacher. Mm-hmm. He had a fine enough episode. I feel like he's not one of our main characters, but he'll probably be around like a decent. Like, yeah. Time. He like. When I was watching the Twitter videos, his is like super focused on Sandra, weirdly. Like the others are really them talking about them. And his is all about Sandra, like, and how he influenced or she influenced his game. So I was like, oh, this means something. I have really high hopes for Jamal. And then this episode kind of let me down. Like he's not dead in the water, but just wasn't as good as I would have liked. Mm-hmm. I think. He's- 
when they go to tribal council, if he picks up, maybe there's something there, but I don't know. Yeah, this really felt to me like, oh, we'll give him something. Like, he really got the stuff that, like, really had no attachment to it at all. Yeah. So, I don't even know if there's much to say here. I feel like he probably works with Tommy, is our what we can take from this episode. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's easily in, like, whatever majority alliance forms. He's not in trouble. Like, yeah. He could be in, like, he's somebody who could, is really like the cliche of he kind of could slot anywhere before he established it. Mm hmm. It could be a hilarious downfall in one episode thing. It could be long-term. Like, I don't think he has any armor or legs. So, <laughs> I don't know. But you did get an introduction. Like, yeah, I don't know. This is the good kind of low-key edit, I think. Mm-hmm. Let's move here to Janet, then, who... Also might a very be... low-key edit. Yeah, like, barely <laughs> there. Like, old person. No. Janet might be my favorite character, maybe. Oh, top, yeah. Janet's a thing. I mean, you look at Jana and I'm like, this is going to go really well. This is going to go very bad. And I think this is great. Um, a contender. I don't know if that's just because it's just a really good episode for her. I mean, I think things can go south for her pretty quick and we'll be able to see that. Um, but yeah, it feels like an important character. Yo, if Janet was not an older female mom character, I would be picking her pick. Right. Like, I don't know. Preseason, I... I'm also I'm so glad we didn't do this because I think every other preseason podcast we've done, we've been pretty spot on with these people. I was so wrong. I was like, Janet's a dodge. She's going to be so boring, lame. Why I, did she get cast? She's obviously wrote, first boot. I wrote that Janet could go Natalie, like Natalie Cole. Same. And now that's not happening. No, so. She's awesome. She's she amazing. She listens to people. Like I think the most impressive thing that we saw in the whole episode, I think, from anybody was Janet handling Callie's problem with Dan. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like that didn't get a huge moment, but you just saw the kind of player that Janet is where she's just like, oh yeah, no, um, like Molly had a problem with that too. That's really like, like listening and pushing Kelly to go talk to him without it being right. so good. Cause you know that Janet's working with Dan. We see that in the episode in the background. Yeah. I don't think they're important allies to the story, but on the beach, she's clearly working with Dan. She wants them to but, get together well. Yeah, but you know Janet like doesn't have as much of a problem with the touching because we get introduced to that scene with Dan giving Janet like this back massage. So like Janet could be like, Oh, that's not such of a problem. Like, what are you talking about, Kelly? But no, she's very calm and collected and is like, go handle it. Like it really feeds sort of into that like teamwork idea. Like, let's resolve our problems nicely and naturally and stick together. Mm-hmm. she's a comp queen she has a very clearly defined story of she's oh she's no longer the mom you know what i mean she is super mom she's something more than a mom like mm-hmm. honestly even the fact that she's getting mom and not like grandma is like so good for her i think she showed ridiculous game acumen got an amazing edit to boot i feel like she's a really top tier winner contender and the only like notch on that is that she is so awesome like feel like they'll probably show some of this stuff either way right like it feels like it could go jane uh what is jane's last name from nicaragua uh her you know her the fish woman yeah no you Uh, know her right right right, that's correct um i also feel maybe like there's jenny lanzetti in there like which would be (laughs) so awful but yeah that's the thing is like she of all my winner contenders, I put her, I think number three, her of all of them is the one that I feel like could also 
unfortunately. Yeah, it could go anywhere. Tumble, rise, the most turbulent. A character like this needs consistency. Like, really needs consistent positivity or at least not being negative to stay good. And I feel like it could easily flip. So that's the one one downside there. Yep, that's what I wrote preseason. Needs a consistent, positive trending CP Mm -hmm. edit. So... Because I think that's the thing is like even like last season we saw Julie was rarely negative until pretty late, but then she still gets the the there's built in negativity to the mob effectively. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that you need positively positivity if you're in that archetype in your edit to basically push beyond that. Unfortunately, right. Let's move here, I guess. Or do you have anything else to say about Janet? I don't believe so. Yeah, I feel like she's somebody we'll talk about a lot. She's come up a lot already. We'll move yeah. here to Jason. Who's also positively trending. <laughs> mm. um, I mean, he's better than he started. Like, the way the episode progressed and the way the preview went, I feel like Jason is in a better spot than this episode. Lens, not a winner contender, though. Agreed. One thing that I thought was really interesting is he got put effectively in, like, the Dr. Mike spot of, like, He's the scrambly guy looking for the idol. And he also looks a lot like Dr. Mike. I don't know if you noticed that, but like he's wearing like a jacket, like a suit jacket. Like he, sure, to me, he looks yeah. startlingly like Dr. Mike in these scenes in every way, except for that Dr. Mike got an awesome introduction about who he is. Mm-hmm. Jason didn't. Um, like to me, he's Dr. Mike, but without the winner quotes, without the like Dr. Mike talked about winning the game all the time. And Jason talked about how being first out would suck. And how much finding the idol is important. It's just not... Yeah, it's... It was such, like, a turnaround. Like, they almost immediately sort of took him out of this spot of worry in the same episode. That's enough to, like, keep it hanging. But there's really not... There's no story. We don't know what Jason does, who he is. And just uh, not high hopes for Jason. I agree. He almost reads to me, and, and we were. I, I said, Doctor Mike. Also, Mike last or in David versus Goliath. Yeah. Uh, Mike White, like same spot, right? Where it's you're the idle person. Both Doctor Mike and Mike White in the spot, and David Wright in the spot, all get amazing introductions. Other than that, about who they are, uh, d- like Mike White gets a huge introduction sequence about who he is, why he's playing Survivor, thought process on the game. We don't. We don't know at all what Jason thinks about the game of Survivor, who he is anything mm-hmm. and i feel like this is almost what looks like if dr mike's if the healer's tribe goes to tribal and dr mike gets- goes first yeah yeah um i feel like he's very like pre-merge middle boot i don't yes. know if he goes first but yeah it feels like someone who actually looks for the idol and actually maintains that reputation because like dr mike went long uh mike was runner up it's just david Wright feels- went long yeah, this feels... What happens if they don't integrate themselves? And mm-hmm. What happens yeah. if they aren't... Because all those people, I think the big thing that uh, you can t- attach to them is like, they were nervous at the start, but were also incredible survivor players. I think we might be seeing that maybe this guy is not. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think that's something to definitely pay attention to. I think he does not have the longevity other characters in this spot have. It's almost more Patrick Bolton than it is anything. Mm. Yeah, I feel like he'll go quietly rather than, mm-hmm. like, loudly like Patrick Bolton did. That's true. Yeah, because he's not as fun. I know, I was... People were really high on this guy preseason. I was not. I thought he was oh, no. very bad. No. He was, kept saying he looks like Rob Sesternino. I'm like, nothing like Rob eh, I kind of see that. Oh, really? The thing I 
sort of locked on to was he thought he'd be like the first target, which I think if you're thinking that, that's really not good for your game. Like to sort of go in with this like, oh, well, I'm going to be the first target anyway. So he kept referring to himself as one of the big guys. I'm like, no one's going to be seeing that about you on this tribe. Like on this <laughs> cast, like like in the, in the uh, preseason, he kept talking about how he was like, shredded and like a super athlete. Like, I don't, <laughs> to me, he felt really cocky. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe he can blossom into a big character, but right now he's not a big winner contender and I'm not really expecting a ton from him. Same. He reads to me like somebody I'll forget was on the cast. Mm-hmm. Someone else who I was really low on preseason and I'm sorry for it. Awesome. Is Kelly. Oh my God. I loved her in this episode. She was really fun, especially in the, on the beach scenes. Like when she's just standing there, like she's funny. She's got like a really like clever uh, way. She talks that I really love. Like she just like, I thought a beam of sunshine. I don't think she's going to win her story. Unfortunately is that Dan's creepy with her. Yeah. Yeah. I think her story is just so locked to that, that like, I mean, it's not a, not the death of it. I like her edit, but it just wasn't great. Like, I'd expect more of something mm-hmm. to Kelly. Because yeah. we basically leave the episode knowing very little about her. Yeah. Also, I thought preseason she was first boot potential. Same. But I think she's okay. She's just not winning. She was my first boot prediction. Ah. Um. I don't know if I had an official one. Um. She was in maybe, the tier though. Maybe from this tribe, but I don't know. I oh, I also had Dan as a first boot, mm. but. <laughs> Good thing they're roped together. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think Kelly could go pretty far. The one good thing is like having an obstacle that you topple early on is really good. Mm-hmm. If you grow beyond it, if you don't grow beyond it, it's like your check mark. Like, like there's two paths for her. It's either she outlives Dan and it's like a celebration of this new character that she is after Dan or. Dan leaves and then she has no more story. And but that's good. Like that's the end of her story, so she can go at any point. I think both are pretty possible here. And yeah. we need next episode to see is she gonna get anything else or not? Right. But definitely. She impressed me as a player in person. Like she handled Dan really well because that's a, a horrible spot to be put in. Yeah. In a game. So mm-hmm. I was really impressed with her. Um really no criticism. Yeah. Yeah, I think she's fine. And if this season is sort of leaning towards a Vokai Pagonging, like they're the tribe that has the majority and stuff. She just feels like one of those numbers, like the Chelsea Desiree group. Like mm-hmm. she'll slot in somewhere. Anything else with Kelly? Not really, no. Sweet. So someone who I thought was invisible in this episode back was Lauren, which surprised me because she was so fun preseason. Her one confessional is literally about nothing. <laughs> and then I don't think she talks through the episode from what I could tell. Yeah, not really. Where was yeah. she? What was she doing? You know, I don't remember. <laughs> I <laughs> I thought her confessional was near the beginning of the Vokai tribes, like tribe time. And it was just very like positive and she had a really good introduction. But yeah, it didn't go anywhere, I guess. Uh, I think if you had asked me like 20 minutes into the episode, I'd have Lauren like as the top contender. And then now she's just sort of like possible, but definitely needs more. Exactly. She's somebody I wouldn't eliminate, I don't think. Her confessional hung very weird at the end. She like did a weird gesture and it stayed there after <laughs> she stopped talking for like three seconds. I just thought it was a very strange editing decision. Yeah, she's just so enigmatic. Like, I'm interested to see how she fits into Vokai and mm-hmm. 
to me, she's probably a top candidate to be a big character where they introduce her here, give her like a throwaway confessional that she builds into really exciting. That was the treatment that they gave like Michaela and millennials for Gen X where her, like the first episode, it's like, Oh, this could be anybody. And then it's like, Oh, she's a crazy huge personality. Um, or even the like Bradley or something like that, where they're like intentionally kind of holding someone back. Yeah. That's what it felt like to me with more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not too high, but unlike Jason, I'm interested to see where it goes. Same. There's potential yeah. for it to grow. Whereas I think with Jason, it's not as high. Like there is potential, but not, I don't think it's an inevitability. I do think we will definitely see a more positive. Scene, whereas yeah. I think we could just see like scrub Jason. <laughs> yep. Someone who had a much like, I guess I don't know how to describe Molly's episode here. I think it was a good one for her, but she to me feels like the person that will be on everyone's edge charts for the whole season. Uh, I'm going to be like kind of scratching my head a little bit. Um, was Molly? Yeah. I mean, it depends on how it evolves. I mean, just like everyone's, but yeah, this episode wasn't great, but we definitely know who Molly is. Just, I don't know. I feel like I expected more, but I think you're right that she's going to be someone people watch and be like, oh, Molly, she she has all of the characteristics. So, mm. yeah. No, she to me is one of those people that I leave the episode. I'm like, wow, she got a lot of content. What did she say? Yeah, I mean, oh. Vokai is just a bunch of like weird people who got some content, but like, I really have no idea where they slot in. Like. Mm-hmm. Lots of introductions. It really does feel like here's a bunch of people you'll be seeing for a while. They're not all going to be big movers and shakers, but you might as well get to know them. They'll be here for a long time is the vibe I got. We're going to do a little bit better than Navidi this time. Okay. So, yep. It's like slightly better than Navidi and better than (laughs) what was the tribe last season in uh, the when Victoria and all them? Uh, Yellow tribe. The blue one. Oh, (laughs) yeah. A comma comma yeah it feels like comma we're just like here's every character's personality traits yeah that's it (laughs) bye um i guess one thing that's interesting is like molly was the one who is like the spokesperson for jack's like juvenileness like she's definitely like the fun love like she's almost like Haley content Mm -hmm. Hmm. it's like yeah we're having fun in the beach and uh you know it's fun to have fun um she says that like quite a few times basically it's like she likes that everyone's social and mm-hmm. so i don't know she she's the one who talked about the tribe stuff like yeah she could win she could go pretty far or she could be like a merge boot like something like that i feel yeah. like that's where she, she makes sense to me yep like jamal feels comfortable a majority doesn't feel like like she just feels like she'll fall like it won't be a blind side or anything exactly in preseason i was very high on her she's a big big survivor fan which makes me just think that she's probably going to play well optimally and kind of boring. So yeah, <laughs> that's probably what she's going to contribute <laughs> uh, up here. Next, we have <laughs> the other person who I thought could be the first boot uh, preseason. Nora, Nora, <laughs> Nora, Nora. It's just pronounced like there was no you. Mm. I, uh, what, what a bizarre character. Like that preview is just, <laughs> what is happening? I kind of, as I was thinking about it, I was like, maybe Nora is the one to uh, Island of the Idols. And that's why you have all this like weird content. But maybe it's just, she's weird. Very low on my winner's list. She might be <laughs> last for me. Like, oh, I think come on. 
I think I put Dean. Who else is? I think I put Dan above Nora. Yeah, I have Dan above Nora. <laughs> but I have someone else between Nora and Dean. So spicy spoiler. Mm, but, I'm excited um, for that. Um, but yeah, like I just don't get it. Like she kind of looks like a younger Trish Hegarty. Uh, I thought she looked like Debbie. She's. Not, I thought she looked like someone else too. She just looks. I don't know. She's unsettling, is what it is. Like yeah. Like there's some like she her confessional talking about Jason was not that weird. If you just if somebody else said it, it would feel somewhat normal. <laughs> she says it and like my skin was crawling. Like she's like I, he looks like an ex boyfriend of mine that uh, pretty dependable. Oh, so yeah, like like like, <laughs> it, like it just gave off like like I don't know if anybody's ever watched How I Met Your Mother like crazy eye that idea like mm-hmm. I, like. There's just something off about Nora. I 100% see why this girl is cast. She's our Natalie Cole, right? Like, she's our, like, insane person on the cast that's <laughs> there to, like, cause drama. Um, because, I like, I don't know, like, her role in this episode was very peculiar, where she didn't really get much content. But you leave the episode, even before the preview, being like, she's very weird. Yeah, like, she's the one who's going to speak up for Jason. Which I think is just... From a gameplay stance, such a weird thing to do. You're like, okay, all these people don't like Jason. Like, literally eight other people. What if I'm like, hey, Jason, these people don't like you. Like, where are you going with that? Like, what is your plan? Like, Mm -hmm. and especially Nora trying to execute whatever plan that is. Just, ugh. It's very peculiar. It also was, like, I was unsure watching the episode if she was included in the plan or if she just heard tying her by. I don't know. Like, the way it was shown, she was sitting on the ground as they were talking about how Jason probably had an idol or whatever. Yeah. And she's tying her shoe, like, behind a log. I wasn't sure if I was supposed to that if she's part of that majority <laughs> or what, because I guess she is part of the majority because it's seven and three. No, it's nine and oh, one. No, it's, yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> it's nine and one. So, and, but then also we got the six. That's what I mean. Was she in the six? Um... I don't think so. I think she was sitting on the ground beside. Yeah. So that's the moment where that happened. So I don't even know what I'm supposed to really think about her. She is not winning, though. I like I'll put <laughs> money on this. If anybody, any list bet me five bucks that Nora's winning, I'll take that right now. Yeah, it feels like Nora feels like someone I can say that to. And then episode five, I'll be like, but what about Nora? Like, she's had some <laughs> really good episodes and just talk me down from that tree. What happens when Debbie Wanner wins Survivor? I don't know. Like, <laughs> maybe they just give her one confessional an episode. <laughs> like, she speaking of one confessional an episode, she gave me Aurora vibes preseason. I feel like she's Aurora, like, but we're actually getting early content from her. Mm, like, yep, that's that's a good that's a good read. Also, just in the Twitter video, Jeff was like, I don't know, she could do well, but uh, she probably won't. <laughs> 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 so yeah that's nora that. next up so we are going for somebody who's a little bit of a too i feel like somebody that showed ridiculous capability in the game of survivor this was my preseason winner pick tommy had a amazing episode this yeah. is exactly what you want for a, especially a modern winner where you get personal content you get basically everything you need to know about the person right up front so you don't forget um so the audience doesn't go home and ever forget who tommy is amazing first episode he gets relationships for it really did feel like dom and wendell that was a good mention earlier 
Mm-hmm. Except he's the Dominic in that situation, but I don't know. I think it still works. You think so? Uh... He gave me mad Wendell vibes. Like, in the premiere <laughs> where, like, Seabass walks up to Wendell and they're talking and Wendell's just like, I'm going to go save this uh, Dominic guy. Like, I don't think there were, anyone was a save situation. Yeah, it's... Wait, did... No. Uh, Malolo went to all the first tribal councils. But I don't know. I It's interesting because Tommy and them all feel removed from even Jason and Dan to some extent. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see how it develops. I mean, if he's the winner, yay for Survivor not, like, making the same sort of stories every time. But... Either way, great episode. Almost, it does feel Wendell where it's like, this is too good to be true. Like, I'm going to slack. Come episode five, I'm going to be like, love Nora. And Tommy's, nope, not winning. Sorry. So I feel like with the content we just saw, there's no chance Tommy's ever a villain. I feel like there's no chance Tommy's ever someone we really root against. For sure. Unless it goes real quick, like Dan Rangering. Like, mm-hmm. where it just starts flopping back and forth and we're like oh and yeah i just i feel like tommy's probably in the top six is probably a contender to win in the top six to me he's honestly i would say that he's either one of the primary distractions of the season or he's our winner it feels Mm -hmm. that level to me like it's he's he's our most important character would be my guess right now yeah yeah he He hits all the themes so so important Mm mm-hmm and I, I think maybe the only thing that could be bad for him is there is a good chance that season is about being a good student, not being a good teacher, which would be really good for his good pal, Jack. Mm, that's true. That would just be the only thing I'm thinking is like, if this, because I think the story could go either way. It could be how important it is to be a good listener and how your teachers make you a better person who's more equipped to play survivor, in which case he's the Mr. Miyagi to someone's karate kid, or it's the story of how teachers are awesome and he's awesome. Yeah. I think one thing is if he sort of goes like Eric or Gavin routes, where I think the focus shifts more to Janet, Kelly, Molly in these early episodes, I might be inclined to lower him because Mm -hmm. I feel like that makes sense as, yeah, he's a big character, but almost just in a good Good protagonist for the tribe to start way before you start developing these other almost harder to get into characters, which very, very true. Yeah. Especially with Eric last season where he had an premiere too, and that's it. mm -hmm. Yeah. He basically never got content again. So if like Tommy goes invisible, probably bad, but I don't think that's what's going to happen. So that's our Vokai tribe. Um, I think we're both in agreement. Tommy's probably the most likely winner here. Yeah. I mean, it, just a really good safe pick. Like, mm-hmm. And it feels and like, like the complex tribe, so... That's what I was going to say, too. Like, yeah. gun to my head, that is the complex tribe. But and I don't, this one could be competitive. I don't hate it, either. Like, I, if all, if these ten are the merge tribe, like, that's okay. I yeah, mean, if I, I guess... was going to pick a tribe to begong the other tribe, like, completely, like, just, like, straight up decimate them, I'm picking Vokai. I like them more. Yeah. Like, Lyro, Lyro has its perk. But they're few and far between. Like, we'll get into them, I guess. There's three of them. Uh, let me count real quick. Spoiler alert. Yeah. I think <laughs> I think we have different... Well... I think so, too, but we'll see. Yeah. Okay, so we'll start so here. Lyra, with the yeah. real A, almost invisible, that every season should start with at Aaron. And not really invisible, but golly gee, what a bad episode. Yes. Oh, like, is he, this who you have super low? No. 
Okay. Actually, he's above Dan. He's in the Jason tier where it's like just not the right things, but like I see it. Like he did get content, but it's almost like he's the same sort of archetype as Tommy and just didn't get Tommy's episode. So yeah, no good. I agree. I and, feel like Aaron had a garbage episode. Yeah. In every way. It didn't help that he looked similar to Ronnie. So like they were together and they're always like in the same scenes and it just felt so associative and I don't they know. They do look a lot alike. Yeah. I at first had it as Ronnie talked a lot in this episode. Like in my head, I was like, oh my God, like what a crazy amount of visibility they gave this first boot. And I was like, oh, most <laughs> of that was Aaron on the second watch. Oh, wait, one of them has tattoos. <laughs> yeah, one of them has tattoos and is like off. I was like, oh my gosh, please be facing the camera the right way or I can't tell what to switch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I think the most shocking thing about Aaron is that he got like four confessionals. That might be be the wrong number, but he got a lot of confessionals compared to what it felt like he said. Right. And you have to consider that everything he said was so wrong. Like Mm -hmm. he was, he's the only person who voted against the majority is left in the game. Like, not just not a good look and no like indication of reasoning or why this is okay for him to have done this or like, even who the hell he is. Right. Yeah. Like, Dan's content to me is better because at least there's personality traits that you can take from the episode. Dan's creepy, right? What's Aaron? He's friends with the guy who got voted out. That's it. That's the only thing you know about this man. Right. Like, sure. I don't know. Like, I feel like. It's not bad to be a villain early on. Like, villains can win the game of Survivor. Uh, good people can win the game of Survivor, whatever. People with no personality traits can't win the game of Survivor. Mm. Another mark against him is I think he was the one being like, oh, it's hard to vote people out because they come from all these backgrounds. And that's, of course, where Sandra gets her title from. Is mm-hmm. So, yeah. Maybe I should plummet Aaron a little bit more. It's just no good. Unless he has, like, a really strong episode, too, where he's like, oh gosh this is terrible i need to make moves and it needs to be like ben bamboo scene level positive for me like it has (laughs) to be really crazy for me to save him here and he was one of my favorites preseason he was like top three i'm shocked to be honest that this is what he ended up being but Mm -hmm. it happens let's move here to chelsea Okay. Who seem so. to be the Reddit favorite preseason. Oh, no. Well, I think they're just going to love a Chelsea because True. how could you not love super fan girl? Oh, she is. A, oh, she is a super fan. Hot. She's yeah. Rob has a podcast patron and all that good stuff. Oh, I preseason. <laughs> this is the only reason I really, really wanted one because I really wanted to stand on my soapbox and be like, this girl's going to be not good. Like there's something about her when she doesn't, she in her Josh Wiggler interview, she wasn't really listening to what he was asking. And she just kind of go on these rants about like, like, it seemed like she cared a lot that people knew she knew about survivor, but she didn't really have anything to say about it. And then yeah, she, she's just weird. I wrote mm-hmm. what a weirdo don't know yeah. what it was for, but just, yeah, she feels like someone who's been trying to get on for a really long and like has lost the plot at that point. It's wild to me. She had all she talked about in this entire episode was the season name like four times. No. Yeah, literally. She had like three different confessions. No, she had her opening confessional. She got to talk at the immunity challenge and then she took the tribal council. And it was all maybe it was all like literally the same line of 
this season is Island of the Idols. What that? What a mystery. Kind of makes me nervous. Could it be? It obviously means hidden immunity idols, right? <laughs> I don't know. I'm excited. And it's just that three times over. I was like, Ugh. it was one of the biggest marks for like on it not being like a god tier premiere was that they had someone repeat themselves three times. Mm-hmm. It honestly felt like they re like like they clipped the audio line and just put it on three times. <laughs> like I'm pretty sure it was like almost word for word. And it's gonna be not exciting to be like there with your friends and so excited after six times applying to <laughs> your uh yeah. your confessionals, all your content in this episode, listing off the name of the season. She's yeah. totally getting like idled out, right? Or idled out or like she's my Kellen Bechtold. She's my something terrible is gonna happen to this girl. Like something really humiliating and I... bad. I have no idea. I know who she is because she told us what the season's theme was. I have her like in the middle tier because like I don't know what they're doing with Chelsea. Maybe they really want to headline this is Island of the Idols and then she's going to blossom next episode. But I don't know. She's another one here to me that I feel like all season like I feel like she's going to be like Kara where people are just all season I think are going to be really high on her. I I don't know. I think I'm going to plant my flag that I don't think she's going to win. I feel yeah. like this she is a terrible like, way to introduce someone. Feels like the Lauren, where I think it's just never going to add up. Not like Lauren from this season. Lauren from last season. Mm, yeah. Just like, yeah, there's pieces there, but do they make a full puzzle? No. Yeah, like, I we know nothing about her, which is shocking for how much she talked in this episode. Yeah, yeah. Like, like seriously, nothing. Like... Mm. <laughs> has she seen survivor before i don't even know i would it, sometimes it, get her confused with the other women on this tribe which none of the other women look like her so mm-hmm. just i was wondering if she was on the other tribe <laughs> for quite a long time i'm like well, wait yeah. is this molly oh no <laughs> purple um, chelsea's yeah seriously but there the whole time she is just one of those ones who honestly i feel like she'll probably be there for a while but I feel like they usually give these kind of lines to like the excite, like it's like the Ali Elliot. I feel like is this is who she's most likely to be, it's like the shock pre-merge boot. That's really not a shock when you think about it. Yeah, like almost if things get weird, which I don't really know where Lyra is going from this vote out. Like Aaron doesn't feel like the next boot. I don't think. Mm-mm. But like further on down the line, I feel like Chelsea could be blindsided when there's like a weird majority of like Elaine, Tom, Vince missy she almost feels like the jenny lanzetti to me. like she feels like a top candidate oh to my like gosh. blow up for no reason you know what i mean like I, I feel like that's actually within the realm of possibility wouldn't that be tragic to be chelsea walker apply for so long your first episode is all about the theme and then you're the second boot <laughs> wild i mean at this point it's become a very clear trend that they usually boot someone that the audience is somewhat invested in in the second episode like i feel like that has become a survivor staple like mari jessica pete um who got voted out second last time i don't even remember <laughs> um jacob derwin is another keith. one keith 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 no keith's a great example keith is a fantastic <laughs> example that's become like a pillar of the survivor edit is you know big character quote unquote leaving second chelsea yeah. feels like prime candidate for that but you also gotta watch out for like your simones they just don't want it to be expected like mm-hmm. And I think Chelsea's a good person for that. I agree. I absolutely agree. Mm-hmm. So, so be on the watch. Somebody who you can already see their spine. 
<laughs> or bath nothing bone. else. Actually, we didn't even get to see it. <laughs> Dean. Oh, Dean. That was lazy editing, right? Like I'm not the only one thinking that, that them saying we can see his spine or backbone already already, and we're seeing a shot of him, his face laughing with lazy production. Just, they, this episode is so weird because they had content for everyone pretty early on, and I was like, okay, Dean's gonna get his confessional soon, like, we'll get a full cast here, and he doesn't get it. They go to tribal council, he still doesn't get anything, like... What did Dean do? Did Dean... Is he the only one? Yeah. Hmm. Like, obviously bottom of the list. Like, even Mm. Chris Underwood was not this bad. True. It's just... I don't know. And, like, (laughs) he's my... I so wanted him to be the first boot from this tribe because I did not like him preseason. I don't know if we differed on that. I could see you really liking Dean. No way. No? Literally, he was the one who... I left his interview like, why did this guy get cast? Like, what did they see? He's not athletic enough to be like a Joe or an Ozzy or something. He's not likable enough to be Alec. But he doesn't know the show at all. He, to mm-hmm. me, I was just, I was shocked. Like, he, he was the one that I was like, this to me reads like the dud. And maybe that's right. Um, I don't know. He seemed really like peppy and like excited to play. And I was like, oh, I can't stand this character. Mm. And no, then that's now- actually something to note is in his Josh Wiggler interview, there's like not a more boring person on the planet. And really? then you watch his video oh. and he's like a weirdo. Like he's like, yeah. a, I could not figure out who this man was because he was completely different in those two things. He's super bland in Josh Wiggler. And then he was like uncomfortable in the video. So, yeah, it sounds like UTR one Dean is like the best Dean. Like <laughs> I will take this for like a series of episodes, um, but not winning. Yeah, I feel like Dean has some Dan upside. I feel like he could Which... be creepy down the line, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, I don't know. We got like three lines. Yeah. Like, no, not even three lines. We got Elaine saying she could see his spine, and then he like talked about how likable Elaine was. And then and he it. got stomped by Janet in the challenge. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was it. So like, maybe some Alec Merlino upside down the road, but that is true. Alec had less content. No, Alec actually got a decent amount in the first episode. Like, he wasn't no, invisible. He talked. Uh, okay, yeah. Yeah, because I remember Jeremy and Alec talking. Yeah. He had a confessional just being like, the, the um, beach is pretty or something like that. <laughs> that's what makes uh, Goliaths is they uh, dance in the rain. That's what he said. Okay. Uh, so that, that's the thing is like, like, even the people that had like this low quality content early on, much better than Dean, I feel like. I'm I'm excited to take this journey with Dean. Uh, when Aaron and Chelsea go, he will be the traditional first person on the tribe who we don't have a lot to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish his name was like Adine or something. Adine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe Chelsea and Aaron will leave. So yeah, the, the next two. That'd be mm-hmm. kind of funny. Um. <laughs> so the opposite of Dean, basically, I think, is Lane. Eileen. Who... <laughs> It was just uh, amazing, right? I, I loved her. Just a great character, yeah. I mean, it's Elaine and Janet. I was like, these people better be amazing and better do well because that is like the barometer of the season for me is how well these characters do. So uh, Elaine is just great. Uh, it's Any episode like this is going to be hard to judge winner-wise. Like, you're going to show Elaine like this. 
no matter what. So mm-hmm. I think I have her smack dab in the middle right now. Same. To me, she's a top candidate to be like the second boot. I think it's very in the realm of possibility. Really? Just, yeah. Honestly, just on Jessica Pete. I never would have expected it. Um, oh, true. It's that same thing. Jessica Pete got CPP5. Yeah, this I girl's think. getting CPP5. Yeah, well, I have her OTTP5 because. But yeah, it feels like we got to milk Elaine for all she's worth. And mm-hmm. then they're going to send her off. And, uh, and honestly, not. like the th- even the things like the more I think about it, like what save like what really made me very high on Jessica Pete in my in a uh, sorry in David versus Goliath was her connection to Carl. Like Carl cries about her being like his daughter or whatever. Mm-hmm. In my head, I'm like, well, Elaine should last a long time because she got that killer scene with Tom. But yeah, Carl just was in the final six. Like they just use that to justify Carl. Maybe yeah. it's just Tom's there for a long time because it, he's residue off of uh, Elaine's amazing content. That said, she totally could win. I don't think it's super likely though. Um, mm-hmm. She gives hey. me a lot of like scary flashbacks of specifically David versus Goliath with Jessica Pete and Christian. Christian and- was yeah, another one. She's just lightning in a bottle. She's such good. She's so mm-hmm. charismatic and lovely. She's always going to be glowing um to be yeah. honest so it's something to watch out for i think i'm not i'm gonna keep her low and if she actually gets the foundation she needs to start raising her but for now she's mm-hmm. exactly smack dab in the middle yeah maybe i will wins. say for what her episode was which was like i don't know if we've had such a strong episode for four where it's like this person is so likable they need to go immediately and like it almost feels like that didn't come together fully for it to be this ironic ending where Elaine actually does win because she is so likable. I know preseason. I thought she was like 100% goat material. And then they come out being like, Elaine is going to win. We can't like let her get anywhere near the end. So I don't know. Yeah. The only thing that gave me any pause there was like JT. JT exists. There was confessionals being like, well, everyone loves JT so much. Maybe give him the win. Mm -hmm. Like that's the only thing that really made me think that Elaine could win back like oh jt exists that did happen that was a way to edit but i i don't think even he was that exposed at this point right oh for sure there was so much going on Mm -hmm. in that token jeans premiere like exactly so i don't know elaine just feels super exposed where she is again like she's lightning in a bottle they're either milking her for all she's worth but maybe she is worth a lot like it's a good possibility she's just entertaining the whole way oh for sure like, she compares herself to Rupert, like, and I think that's actually pretty apt. Like, mm-hmm. so. The real story, though, is that this girl's been applying for, like, 20 years, apparently. Mm-hmm. Whoever, like, I don't know. Th- like, that's the first sign to me that uh, maybe Jeff Probst is doing a good job when where Lil Lynn Spellman was not. I don't know. How do you not cast this girl at any point? Yeah, that's weird. But they are selling, like, Chelsea as the person who's, like, cast for a million seasons and not Elaine. So what's going on there? Yeah. So. I, I don't know. And Elaine's, vi- well, Chelsea was just almost on a lot. I believe Elaine was basically passed up every time. Like, she never huh. really. Because she, she said she gave up. Like, she, like, this was the last time she was ever going to apply her. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Shame on you, whoever cut her all those times. Lindsay. Yeah, Lindsay. Lindsay Ogle. <laughs> casting director now for uh okay. speaking of interesting casting <laughs> i have a lot to say here about elizabeth oh yeah how could you not like uh <laughs> i don't think anyone's ever frustrated me more in the preseason ever really 
This girl is an Olympic swimmer. And when she was talking to Josh Wiggler, basically she said she didn't think she needed to watch any Survivor. Um, she didn't need to know anything about the Survivor to do well. She was just there for the experience. I feel like it is so insulting to the thing that I love so much for somebody who is a professional athlete to just be like, I'm just going to go and just show up, you know, just feel it out. It'd be like if I said that I'm going to race her in swimming or whatever, like not doing, not completely regimenting my life and like actually soaking up things beforehand and just being like, you know what? I could probably swim. I don't know. I'll jump in the lake. I'll beat you. It would be like if I were like, I'm going to try to make a fire against four-time Survivor player Rob Boston, Rob Mariano. Like, mm-hmm. I never win. Mm-hmm. That'd be insulting just, for me to even try. It's this, like, unbridled confidence that I'm just... I, I, I don't see how... She doesn't see the hypocrisy there. I don't know. And she just... Ugh, like, I don't... <laughs> was this not that captivating? Like... And this the episode was all about her because it had to be. And, like... Mm-hmm uh elizabeth is my surprise pick between nora and dean Mm, that's a good pick that's a good pick um obviously it started out really strong and then she went to island of the idols i was like okay like this makes a lot of sense we got to focus a lot of time on elizabeth so probably gonna be a good pick anyway um then at tribal council nothing is said to her like no questions are like like so elizabeth how was island of the idols what do you have to say I feel like that's such a weird thing to cut out for the first person going to Island of the Idols to win, like almost dead in the water. Like, uh, okay, so I think I differ a little bit here. I do think that Elizabeth is not gonna be our winner. I actually thought she was shockingly captivating, to be honest. Hmm. At least, I guess early on, early on, she she's just not a character that can hold that many confessionals. She ends up having the most, right? I think so. Yeah, by like a, I think a fairly decent margin. Should not, she's not that character. Like her confessional, where she's like, I've more excited than I was for the Olympics and stuff. Like, it seemed like she could actually be kind of interesting. I thought I might be wrong on her a little bit early on. Like I said, preseason, I was so frustrated with her. Then it started, I'm like, okay, it's not so bad. And then this girl gets on the Island of the Idols, and I've bullshitted papers before, or sorry, presentations. Before. I know what a person looks like when they don't know what they're talking about. And that was that girl on the Island of the Idols. I don't think she knew <laughs> who those people were. Um, that's my hot take. It really seemed like she had no idea. She just kept repeating. The amount of time she said Sandra's name was un- a bizarre amount. Like, she just mm-hmm. kept being like, oh, thanks, Sandra. People don't talk like that. Yeah, I Unless you're trying weird. to look like you know what you're talking about. I know. I was very. I was like, ah, there's no way Elizabeth could not know who these people are. Because like her favorite preseason is Kara. I was like, that's kind of like niche. And then I was like, as I thought about more, I was like, well, if the only season you've seen is David versus Goliath, like Kara's that girl that you want to be from that season. Or did casting producers say, say you're a lot like Kara? Well, I don't even think it's that bad. I think she watched David versus Goliath. Oh, I think I think I also believe that she probably watched maybe Ghost Island, maybe David vs. Clyde. Okay, but some of it anyway, because she said she like in the preseason she said something along the lines of, like she's seen a couple episodes. Her answer to her favorite thing to Josh Wiggler, like what she's seen in Survivor wise, was she said uh, Richard Hatch came from Rhode Island. I'm from Rhode Island, oh, so no. like when I was a kid, I knew Richard Hatch was that was her answer to how much Survivor has she seen. So. I don't know. I think maybe on the boat or in a sequester or whatever, maybe she watched some of Ghost Island and David vs. Goliath, but I think that is the extent. Hmm. 
So I don't know. Maybe maybe she did. Maybe it's not being. But it really did feel like she had no. Just on her face. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but I agree. This girl probably is not our winner. She mm-hmm. got roasted by Bonnie and Rob. I think that oh, was. Yeah. I think that was cruel. Um, oh yeah, for sure. Like her, like being like, "Yeah, I'll do it." And then Boss and Rob, they like, "Oh, you should never take the first deal." And when has Survivor ever been about multiple like offers? Like. <laughs> Yo, they know she doesn't know that. That's why they can. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I don't know. To me, okay. One thing in defense of her, I feel like a lot of people are getting on her uh, tail. Why? Which easily could be one of the worst survivor moves I've ever seen in my entire life. If not for the fact that I feel like there, she wasn't, she wasn't what? Sorry. I feel like there's a really good chance that she wasn't allowed to actually say what happened. And uh, I, I think she could have. You think so? Yeah. If so, then she deserves all the condemnation in the world. Shit, that was stupid. <laughs> she described yeah. Ghost Island. No, she described uh, Good, Bad, Neutral from Worlds Apart. Mm, true, true. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I... That's the other thing is, she said she hit an urn and it said no game. Yeah, she, I mean, that is Ghost Island. But like, <laughs> but like, she said there's a choice of... So like, in Ghost Island, the game was picking the three urns. If it said no game, you just walked to a fire pit and then sat down. Uh-huh. When you played a game, you got, uh, sorry, you lost, no vote, or whatever. She said, sorry, you lost, no game. You're obviously lying. You play, that was the game. <laughs> like, like, that's the thing that makes me know that she, uh, like, if I'm sitting there, I'm like, I don't know. On the beach. I was like, maybe she could have sold it as like, oh, this Island of the Idols just isn't that cool. Like, Chelsea, just calm down. Like. They just are saying this is how it's going to work now, and it's not actually any better. Like, but she didn't play it off as like that. As a very, as a very standard like lie. Like, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's totally like the second person who goes from their tribe is going to be like, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just so dumb to lie about something like that. At least like be like, it's kind of like Ghost Island. Say that. Don't like. Don't yeah. pigeon yourself into be like, lying. Yeah, just be like, it's it's just Ghost Island again. Like, they just wanted a different name, I guess. Blah, blah, blah. I don't know. I do stand by, though, that I think she... That's my conspiracy theory here. Because the whole episode's built around, like, they go in this shack, like, at Tribal. It's all secret. Like, that's all really lame if everyone knows that they're there. Well, it's... I don't know. Like, what if Elizabeth is just telling this crazy lie? Mm. Uh, I guess I didn't catch it both times I watched. Where is the shack in regards to Tribal Council? I feel like if they're trying to say it's right above, and I feel like in actuality it's <laughs> way. I don't know. It was just, yeah, it is so bad. Like, I can see why you think she couldn't tell. But they also, like, why isn't that in the Oath of the Idols? Like, you must never whisper a word about our presence to the others. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's like a big, so like in the game of Big Brother, if you get an advantage or whatever, uh, they say that you can't use production as a strategy, so you can't tell effectively what they told you. They do that all the time. I wouldn't be surprised if that's just a thing that they're told. By the way, you can't say anything about what actually happened, but you can hint at it or whatever. I don't know. We'll, we'll see if anyone else does. Well, and she talks about how she wants to tell the people closest to her, so... True. That's we'll true. I think, I think Nora goes next time and is just crazy about it. And I was like telling everyone. So yeah. The other thing is if you're a super fan sitting there on an Island and some, the big twist that the season's named after, 
I went to on the first episode and nothing happened, they're not going to believe you. <laughs> I would never believe if someone said on the premiere nothing happened. That's the one where something's going to happen. Absolutely. What happened last? Or Ghost Island? Yeah. Jacob. Uh, or- Donathan. No. Uh, Jacob, Jacob went. I forget. Jacob. Yeah, he had a game. Yeah. But I don't know. But yeah, I don't know. Elizabeth, definitely not winning. I feel like was really overexposed. Like she really has like a terrible edit, like overexposed yeah. and negative and like mixed. Like, yeah. I think that's even worse and lied. And it's definitely gonna get caught lying. Mm-hmm. So it's real bad. She could be the missing ingredient here for why no one, to be honest for net. Why no one, what goes home. You know, maybe where we're like, Oh, Aaron doesn't feel like the next boot. Could it be Chelsea? Maybe it's Elizabeth. Just no. someone goes to the islands. Like, this yeah. girl is a liar. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That feels very possible. And then they're milking their Olympian that probably brings some people. That yep. makes sense. Sure. Yeah. Let's move here to Karishma, who I thought was awesome. I was her biggest fan preseason. I feel like the internet was really negative on her. I was really ready to cheer her on completely. She completely matched my expectations. Thought she did amazing. Uh, it was an okay episode. I, I don't know. I think I'm low on Karishma, like... Sort of in that Molly Lauren group. She's like the lowest of those. I think, I don't know, it was just weird how they were like, they showed her with Aaron and uh, Ronnie. Ultimately, she voted against them, but they were asking her like, what do you want to do? And she was just like, I don't know, whatever you guys want to do. And they were like, but what do you want to do? And then she was like, I don't know, whatever you guys want to do. And I just think that's a weird look. Mm -hmm. And especially in a season where a theme was definitely about like saying what you're speaking your mind. Yeah. Just and she feels sort of background on this tribe. I agree. I also think that she's in the now elusive spot of the like Rick Luskin, which is the she gets the first confessional, so people assume that she's a winner. Yeah, yeah, I could see some consistent content making her be like, "Oh my gosh, it's Karishma!" Like, yeah, <laughs> and it just doesn't pan out because someone's gonna get the first confessional, and sometimes it's Karishma saying. You got to be cool, calm, and collected. And that's it. <laughs> yeah. Which I thought was a strange choice. And then she sort of like has this big reaction when she gets off the boat. I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. It it was weird because there was no marooning. So you couldn't. I felt like we have to adjust in some way. And so Karishma getting this first confessional just didn't feel as important. So hot take. I'm glad they took out the marooning. Oh, yeah, for sure. Hotter take. They should have restructured the episode a little bit to do a few straight up introductions like they do in other seasons where like people get like straight up opening confessionals where it's like, as a bartender, I believe that my game is going to be somebody that I play social or whatever. We really didn't get many of those early on here. Mm-hmm. Like Karishma's first confessional, I feel like should have been, I'm a personal injury lawyer. I'm going to hide that or I'm not going to hide that or going to do with it. I feel like we really didn't get any of that. Like even like picture like uh, Johnny Nitro and David versus Goliath being like, I'm from Slamtown. Like we didn't get anything like that at the very start, which made it kind of weird and uneasy at the start where you're like, sorry, I, I they're telling me who these people like, but not who they are, which is almost the opposite of what's been a problem recently. Yeah. Hmm. That's just my little soapbox. I think it fixed by the end, but I feel like it was a little bit of a problem early on. Yeah. But no, I, I Krishma, think- her content was she was tied to Vince, I guess, in the most interesting way. It almost felt like the Laurel Donathan scene silent. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I thought there was going to be something big from that, but then nothing panned out as far as this episode goes. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if Karishma's kind of roped into that Tom 
uh, Vince group, but mm-hmm. she seems long for the game either way. Right. Like if I was picking, I think anybody on the cast to go pretty deep, I'd pick her or Tommy, but she feels a lot less winner. I don't know. If she feels, she feels like she could be a swap victim pretty easily. Mm, true. Yeah. Just, she almost like she was so centralized, but like had some content that it feels like not important at all, like in a long term way. So, yeah, I'll agree with that. I think it's a possibility. I don't know. Um, But yeah, overall need more. We'll see. I really yeah. like her. She's like she's got like a good energy to her. Yeah, she feels she feels interesting. I said pre-merge. I see Stephanie Johnson upside. Is it there? Nah, but I like her. I'm excited to see where she goes. Sweet. That brings us to Missy, who has very low on preseason. And I was wrong. She's very great. Really? She said she was a fan of Kim. And I was like, oh, she can execute on this. And then she's kind mm-hmm. of executing on it. So it is. She's she's high on my winner contenders list. Like, I think if someone is winning from Lyro, it's probably Missy. I agree. I feel like they didn't really give us another person who could win here. Because yeah. Missy felt so present. Mm-hmm. Like you Her were talking, idea is the girls. Talking about the lack of personal introductions. Like we got Missy's life story. Mm-hmm. So I mean, and she was present in the discussion of who should go home. Like after Vin, or Ronnie and Elaine talk, she's talking immediately to Elaine about sending Ronnie home. So mm-hmm. I believe she's the first person to say Ronnie as an actual vote, not just like Elaine saying, I want to take him out. And like she mm-hmm. seems like Missy's kind of the one who takes credit for the, I feel like. Yeah. I just feel like this was a exceptional episode. Oh, for sure. Like next to Tommy, she's easily number two for me. Mm-hmm. The only thing is that I feel like this tribe's a lot weaker. Yeah. In terms of winner contenders. So I feel like it's less like she makes it there. Yeah. And I don't think she had anything at tribal, which maybe I'm just like so focused on that for some reason, but feels kind of this like tribal was weird though yeah it really bounced between elaine and rob and then elaine like, ronnie and boston rob <laughs> oh yeah and you got like snippets of aaron and vince so yes i don't know so i don't know i i don't think it's a big deal that she wasn't there at tribal this time it's mm-hmm. fine i think i don't know she just seems like she's somebody who will almost certainly make the merge is probably top six yeah she seems very important like mm-hmm. like almost the Julie of Lyro in that like comma itself didn't feel like it had a lot of strength, but Julie feels really important. Like Missy, obviously like we need to focus on her even yes. if we don't know quite why yet. Absolutely agreed. She's also one of my favorites on the season. She's very fun. I don't know. I just think she's going to do yeah. really well. Uh, I really like how she was talking to Elizabeth, how it's like, Oh my God, we're this. That's what I liked. Elizabeth was when she was like matched up with Missy. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty fun. Uh, and I, they actually put, did a lot to match them together, where even like Aaron and uh, Ronnie are asking Missy if they could get uh, Chel- or Elizabeth's vote when she comes back. Mm-hmm. So it's showing that Missy has a lot of power and people know it, which is pretty cool. Yeah, just on the whole, like, I think the way the majority played this because i think the ronnie vote was locked in pretty quickly but they were all very like oh yeah we'll we'll vote for elaine or vince or like whatever and they were just on top of it so agreed i am always a fan of blind sides i feel like in recent survivor we've been seeing a trend towards telling everybody and trying to make consensus boots every time i feel like that's Mm -hmm. a mistake 
because then if you're Missy, you can just pile back on Aaron now uh, pretty easily if that's what you want to do, or you can rope him in because now he knows he's firmly on the bottom rather than like everybody kind of feels like they're in the middle so they could pull things. Mm-hmm. I really like what they're doing here where like you are leaving some people out. You are playing in a pretty aggressive and sophisticated manner. I agree. I think it was very, very well handled. And I also agree that Ronnie was probably just always the first boot. Well, yeah, <laughs> I, think, I think all that was misdirection. Honestly. Think, oh, yeah. I think Ronnie did things that led to him being the first boot. Like it was never like a, any sort of debate, I would say. Agreed. Okay. So that brings us to Tom, the Canadian. My boy. I don't know if everybody knows, but I am Canadian. Uh, I'm glad that our first Canadian survivor ever from my lovely progressive country. His first line was like, um, and Elaine doesn't wear like a pretty up dress and <laughs> whatever. Oh, yeah. Like, oh. yeah. Great. Um, I'm glad that they got this man to represent Canada. But It's like, yeah, they got like... Even preseason, I was like, this is the most American Canadian to, like, represent Canada. Which, yes. like, I guess I get, but, like, man, I don't You know. think he's from Texas. Oh, yeah, for sure. I don't know, but uh, that said, despite what I just said, despite my, a little bit of anger that this guy's the, f- he was awesome, right? Yeah, I liked him a lot. I thought he was really a standout of the cast. I loved that he seemed to be the reliable narrator, which mm-hmm. I never would have thought, like, Elaine's like, um, should I be worried? Like, Elaine seemed actually scared she was. I think she's at any point Elaine could go. And I like that Tom was just like, oh, Elaine, they don't even almost have the number. You're being ridiculous. They're just trying to make you uh, hate each other so that you scramble. Like, he just felt like a, he almost felt like a mentor. Like, he was like, separate from the game. <laughs> just like, just relax, Elaine. We're good. They got nothing. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. Yeah, I, I have to say I'm not high on his winner chances. I feel like this wasn't a good episode for like personal content for him. Like you have like um, his age and I mean his Canadian status to like flaunt and the episode didn't either. So I feel like that's stuff you would bring out in the first episode, but maybe it'll sort of erupt Ben like in like a future episode and see it from there. See, I don't think that matters just because we did learn he was a hockey player. We farm that he cares a lot about work ethic He's a hockey, like he loves hockey and he's going to use hockey and Gretzky. I feel like we did learn a lot about Tom. We didn't actually learn his age. Maybe it's a good thing that he's not being brought up as, as like the old man. Oh, I guess that's fair. Cause he's significantly older than everybody else on this tribe, like significantly, but uh, yeah, it wasn't even brought up. I think that might be a positive. If anything, he doesn't look that old really when you look at him. So if yeah. you could buy that, he's just like a really gruff looking 45 year old probably (laughs) um so i don't know i think he i don't think i would put him top tier but he'd be up there like he's somebody who if you told me he won i wouldn't be surprised at all because this is probably one of the better looks you could give someone like this like the rough around the edges mike holloway style athletic guy like loud guy seems like something tom could kind of muster up and i especially like that he's been tied to this um sort of theme of when has a guy like tom ever worked with the I think that's really, really cool that he's picking Elaine and Vince yeah. over Aaron and Ronnie. Yeah. Yeah. He felt like a figurehead of like the rootable underdogs, mm-hmm. which that's not where like Tom, I feel like fits in. And so, yeah, yeah was- I thought for sure him and Aaron would like looking at this try preseason. I was like, him and Aaron are just going to hit it off talking about hockey and sports. And no, he picks the people who are hard workers that. It doesn't matter where they're from or anything like that. That made me really, really excited. 
Because mm-hmm. I feel like he's a different kind of like one of these alpha males than we've seen in a very long time. Yeah. That said, it seemed like from the preseason, I was very, very low on him because it oh, seemed yeah. like he didn't know anything about Survivor. Anything. And it seemed like he'd be like grouchy and negative too. <laughs> yeah. Like this was a different man. Mm-hmm. Which, to be honest, could be editing manipulation. Oh, for sure. But I mean, that's good for his chances. That's the thing. Like, that's probably the thing that I'm highest on is that mm-hmm. he kind of seemed like a curmudgeon preseason. Yeah. He didn't know anything about Survivor. And I leave this episode and I'm like, if I hadn't seen the preseason stuff, I think this guy is a pretty knowledgeable about Survivor guy and is a very happy man. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe that is good. And I like this Tom better. So, yeah, no, I'm <laughs> if Tom's here the whole way, I think I'll be happy. Mm hmm. Which is always exciting. Like, I, I mean, maybe it's because I'm Canadian, so I know the hockey. But I thought the Wayne Gretzky thing was really fun. It's cool. Speaking of people who I think were pretty cool, way better than I thought preseason. Vince, this whole group, Elaine, Tom, and Vince, I thought they were screwed. I thought all these other people would band up against them. And they were awesome. My favorites, easily. I love that three. I love that they seem to be getting their way. Vince, king of the uh, machete or knife or whatever, apparently. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I, I think... You sort of look at these three like, oh, it's a repeat of Reem, Keith, and Wendy. And I had written preseason that Vince sort of felt like a Wendy character. Mm-hmm. Um, but you get to see them succeed. And it was just so nice for once. Um, I think he looks okay. Like, he's my fourth contender. I think just a good episode. But it's more like, this could be good, but I need more information to tell where it's really going. Like, it has a lot of fluctuation as well. I agree. At one point, he was giving me Thai vibes, like, really early on. Oh, yeah. Where it was like, I work hard. I'm, like, I'm an inspirational figure. I see the, like, magic and things kind of thing. And I'm very different than I seem. I'm stronger than I seem. I think was definitely things they were hitting on. But I think he did kind of merge into a little bit of a different niche where he's he's not, like, I thought he would be a lot, like, like sassier and funnier, like, a little like, has like more edge and he Uh doesn't really have that which makes me think that it's kind of been sanded off by the edit which i think is actually really good for him Hmm. because i think the thing is is like most of america is not the people that love the like bryce uh bryce isaiah style um or bryce johnson or whatever uh survivor players for the most part they like people like tom yeah Yeah, and they made vince as like tom as they possibly could Mm -hmm. i think it bodes really well for him he has that underdog credit i feel like it portrayed it more as elaine was in trouble than him i feel like of this three and they feel like a pretty complex three like it feels like it, if you're like if this is gonna be like an i24 thing where they're like the strong three or whatever at the end i would buy it and i would think i would buy vince as the winner hmm out of those three yeah i guess i have them highest i don't know I, if elaine makes it to the end i think she's winning oh yeah no i guess i'm more thinking like if this is actually a three that's important and they make it far, but not the winner, I feel like Fair. Elaine burns out. Tom, whatever, is not. I feel like Vince beats Tom and some other person, like a goat or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like that's how I would see it. Is yeah. Elaine? I don't think is the winner of this group. She's the one who positivity to the group. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I think you had a really good spot at Tribal Council where it's like Elaine is has her moment of like sadness, and then Ronnie like is so over the top and like negative. And then Vince comes back and is like legitimately uh, 
like sad about it. And then you get to see like Sandra and Robbie, like I like him. So mm-hmm. there's that little like nugget there of like, what does that mean? Is that good for Vince? So I absolutely think it is. Yeah. I think that's all I have on Vince. Same here. And then all we have left is Ronnie who uh, I thought it would be fun. So we both kind of wrote up like a little thing about like where he plays preseason. So I wrote, this was me. Uh, this is what was my prediction for the season. I wrote, Ronnie's going to do really, really well in this game. He's <laughs> able to be super vulnerable, open. But the thing that puts him above the pack is that he's always willing to cut throats. This is a man who's never going to stop scheming. I think he easily makes the merge is a late game threat to win the game. Oh, Daniel. Yeah, sounds about right from you. <laughs> yeah, spot but on. Like, you'll get other stuff right, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I... I was like, I guess I didn't put him in a place necessarily. I was writing more what they need. He gave me war dog vibes, like someone who's always crunching and calculating. Um, And I guess there was that point where like, he doesn't feel like he'll be personable enough in his true form to like win. So if they make him sympathetic, I think that's more approachable. And I wrote that he'd be over the top or like a complex personality, which he was. But (laughs) oh man. Flamed out soon, and I'm pretty happy about it. Like, I I wasn't high on him coming in preseason. I think this is already a really interesting cast that doesn't have, like, a lot of, like, alpha males, muscular males. And so one more of those getting ticked off is, like, fine with me. So, <laughs> See, I was sad because I actually like him. I like that he was willing to be like, I really like Elaine. And that's why she has to go. I think that was really, really awesome. I wish we would have got to, like, I like when players have that level of killer instinct that they're like thinking that far ahead. Was it stupid? Yes. <laughs> if she's really socially connected, I mean, she's, it'd be really hard to get out, you dummy. But um, I do like that he was thinking about that stuff. I like when people think beyond just basic things. So, well, that and said, I, don't think, I don't think getting Elaine out was necessarily unrealistic. I think everyone sort of saw right away, like, yeah, she's really likable. And if we're all sort of okay with getting her out right now, like, let's do it before we get cold feet and get attached. But I think (laughs) the problem was Ronnie himself was too, like, snaky and sleazy about it, that it, like, turned too many people off of him before that could happen. And so he became the first obvious boot. And it's like, let's get rid of this guy before he gets his tendrils in and starts manipulating us so very true i feel like that's not a bad read and i think the only thing i would say that i think about this season from him is i think this season is not going to be super friendly to game bots this is not a season like last season where someone like war dog is going to be able to just like wreak havoc on all these people i don't think this is a season where we're going to see much sophisticated gameplay i think this is a tribal based like trust in each other teamwork season mm-hmm. so specific style not modern survivor style i think that's what we're seeing this is gonna be a slow game yeah yeah i feel like trust clusters are not a part of the season no. i feel like it's going to be the tribes as they are and which everyone gets a foothold will be a boston cool. rob season basically perfect He's there, which so. like i think what we need then is we need these strong characters to shine like mm-hmm. we need to see who these people are so that we're not bored when Chelsea Desiree all of them are going like in Ghost Island. I agree and I think 
my prediction is that I will be very low. I am a gameplay nerd. Like that is what brings me to the game of Survivor. I'm guessing you're gonna like this season a lot. I I hope so. I think if it is a pagong and it is boring pagong, like obviously no, like that's gonna bore me. But if it's like interesting characters, it would almost feel like a tri- like an early season, mm-hmm. like really focusing on the characters. But like, yeah, the gameplay just isn't interesting per se. And yeah, I would love that. Like, I don't care about the gameplay. That's boring. <laughs> See, that's the thing. Is like, I can't. Like, I want every dog. If I could make people, I want people with killer killer instincts. That's to me the ideal casting, regardless of who they are. So that's my bias, obviously. So I feel like I'll probably enjoy this season because I feel like I do like the characters. But it'll be one of those ones that I'll be like, oh, I wish there would have been like some fun game in there. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to see. Yeah, I feel like Ronnie's. Roddy was shockingly low visibility to me. I thought he's yeah. gonna be huge. I was like, this is too like they're too tiny to like be a first boot. Like, mm-hmm. but Survivor shocked us once again. Yeah, because Aaron got all the content. And okay, the weird thing for me is like I was watching the episode, and right when Ronnie flipped the switch and was like, "I want to vote out Elaine," and there's like that brutal moment. To me, I af- because he got almost nothing after that. I figured he was safe. Like, I thought we were yeah. seeing the to be honest. I was like, uh, maybe this is almost too good to be true. Like, maybe Vince is really going. Like, mm-hmm. And then when he went on his tirade at Tribal, I was like, yep, this is good. So Yeah, he almost, maybe he Jen- Jenny Lanzetti. He's the Jenny Lanzetti. <laughs> you can't be an episode one Jenny Lanzetti. You have to have some positivity for you. It's true. People have to have you as their winner contender. <laughs> you have to have a bug in your ear. That's still the worst scene of Survivor. <laughs> no question. Like, like I still get nightmares sometimes. Like, think, if I'm camping, no thank you. <laughs> I mean, bugs can get into your house, too. So it could happen anytime. Uh, anyway, let's talk about our winner contenders. Tommy! Uh, Tommy. And then Jack. Same. And then Missy. Same. And then Vince. I have Janet. I have Janet next. And then I have Karishma instead of Vince. Mm. But... This, to me, feels like a season with quite a few contenders. Right. Like, there's a bunch of people I'm not gonna... It doesn't feel like there's a huge upper tier. It does feel like, to me, like, Tommy and Missy and Janet, I would say, and Jack, I guess four of them, do feel head and shoulders above. But then beyond that, there's, like, eight people that I feel like are a pretty solid next tier. Oh, yeah. I agree 100%. It's really a... What's episode two like for a lot of these people? Mm Mm-hmm. And other than Tommy, I feel like and Missy, like I feel like that's the that's the super top tier to me. But mm-hmm. um, I do think that they could drop, which is another thing. Like they're not locked in. Oh yeah, which is good. The premieres weren't good enough that if they have like garbage content, they're screwed. Like they're still gonna be in. Mm-hmm. Something like kind of like how Wendell had. I don't. Tommy's might be a little bit more like that, but I do think this is an open field, which is exciting for us. Yeah. I mean, we'll totally find ways to be like Nora is winning the season, but we'll get to a point where it's just like, oh my gosh, it's Rick Devins. He's winning mm-hmm. the season. Kill us now. Kill us now. Speaking of being killed now, my prediction for the next person eliminated from the game is Nora. I think that's too obvious. Mm. I think it's, I think if it's a Vokai, which I think Vokai is probably going to tribal, I think it'll be Dan. I think if it's Vokai, it's 
Nora, or Jason. If it is Lyro, it will be Elizabeth. Uh, but I, if she's going to be caught in her lie, like that won't happen until... True! Because they're apparently switching off. Which we didn't talk about how they're doing Who oh Goes to Island of the Idols. I know you don't like it. I think it's not the worst. Like, randomly is, I guess... I don't know. It feels okay in this case. I think maybe they should let Elizabeth pick who goes from Vokai and like trade yes. back and forth from there. But I don't mind the first one being random if they're going to do it as like a train. I think for some reason Survivor has this bizarre infatuation with the idea of randomness because rocks are exciting. But like ever since Millennials for Gen X's rock draw, I feel like you've seen randomness in everything up to most egregiously that family challenge in heroes hustlers uh the greatest challenge of all time yeah that family challenge where they're just like randomness the challenge Uh aha that's exciting but they don't realize that the reason rocks are exciting is that the personal drama behind it is so intense that you would rather put ran like your own name on the line and randomness than like have the vote not go your way it's like an ultimate deadlock it's not that randomness is fun yeah (laughs) it's like there's stakes like you have to get to there yeah it's a sacrifice that's exciting which i guess if you think about ghost island what they thought was like they didn't vote so they just made it random Mm -hmm. but like i think your thing is yeah make the first one random and then do this trade-off like elizabeth's seen the other tribe like she can sort of she knows what Island of the Idols is. She can go from there. Yeah, I honestly feel like even if you said whoever competes the best in the challenge goes to Island of the Idols, and then from then on it's a pick or something, like mm-hmm. more choices in the hands of players is going to make better seasons, I think, in general. Um, it's just more stuff for you to see. If it's good, if it's interesting, it's interesting. If it's not, it's just another choice that they were forced to make. I think sometimes you can sort of get mired down in choices. Like, I mean, it really worked in, like, a token chains where you had that first impressions vote. But imagine if you had stuff like that, like, every episode, like... Agreed. It would draw away from time that you could be using developing characters. But I think you're right for the most part. Like, I don't know. I also just think, like, if you're going to do a twist like this, my preference would be don't have it. Second preference would be, <laughs> okay, well, make it have some stakes on the game. Make somebody be able to mess up or something. Yeah. To have game implications. It doesn't really, unfortunately. But yeah. Also, poor girl, like Boston Rob's like, oh, and one more thing. You get to pick the next person. And she's like, ooh, I'm so excited. I'm going to pick. And he's like, oh, from this bag. And she's like, oh, that's still exciting. I get to know who's going. You don't get to know, huh? Like, <laughs> you didn't do anything. And it's just like, I do have a fear if there's no, like, they're always going after immunity challenges. Like, Elizabeth was super safe. But that can be detrimental for someone. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's very easy that even Elizabeth, she could have been like, okay, I'm going. And then everyone else could have been like, yeah, Elizabeth's not here. Let's just vote her out. Mm-hmm. And like, there's no way she can counteract that. We'll all make up our plan against her. So I don't know. It's a trade off. Like, I want them to go sometimes like after a reward challenge, but I also don't want reward challenge screen time. Like, I feel like what's going to happen is that it's going to start the episode. Oh, yeah, like slip them a note being like, yeah, uh, we're sending you to the Island of the Idols. Here's your I vote. think because that's the thing is that's why reward challenges are in the game of Survivor, I think, at this point. One, obviously, to feed the contestants, but it's something to put at the start of the episode. True. And I think Edge of Extinction, 
the one thing you can say about it is that they did always wasn't just people talking. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's the reason they choose to do reward challenges or a twist or something, because you want it to feel like, oh, something's happened tangibly. A reward or swap or something like that. I feel like they like that to be the start. Is like they want ramifications from the last episode into something that coldly states this is a new episode now. And a challenge or whatever does that. So my hope is that this does replace reward challenges. Let's be real. There's going to be freaking reward challenges in most of these episodes. And (laughs) we won't get to know any of these people. We'll just know Boston Rub's thoughts on them. Yep. (laughs) At least we got to know Elaine and Janet in this first episode. Yeah. And honestly... As far as like the recent seasons of Survivor go, that's about as best as we could ask for. <laughs> so that's our show. Uh, our email is thewinneredit at gmail.com. Uh, new episodes on Saturdays this week. I feel like Saturday, Sundays, Friday, Saturday, Sunday is always when we'll kind of do this. Um, we're going to be on all major podcast catchers. If we're not on the one you're on, please hit us up on that email or in the comments or something like that. Uh, Review us on iTunes. That would be lovely. Um, and peace out. Yeah. We'll see you next episode.